You are listening to a bonus episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast. I started this podcast because of my love for two of the most interesting pop stars of my time, Jessica and Ashley Simpson. But due to the overwhelming support of my amazing listeners, I have decided to expand to other pop culture topics as well. I'm going to cover any and everything that I am inspired to talk about in the world of entertainment, music, movies, TV, theater, celebrity relationships. You're going to hear it all on the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast. You've been waiting for it. It's part two of our love letter to the Scream franchise. And this time we are talking about the new movie that is killing it at the box office, Scream 2022 or Scream 5. I personally call it Scream 5. Please welcome back my guest, my BFF, Gino. Is it Scream 5 or is it Scream 2022? It's Scream 5 for sure. Okay, good. I'm glad to you me. feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, well, in the movie they have a, a reference to – that which is when they're talking about stab eight i think it's the people from the dead meat Mm -hmm. podcast james and chelsea and they're like who are they kidding why are they calling it stab it should be just called stab eight i'm like yeah same with your movie i could not believe like i've never seen a movie so meta in my life as this one and that's coming from someone who just talked about the other screams for three hours (laughs) yeah a movie and 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 a movie in a movie again so (laughs) so you just saw it last night because unfortunately you were delayed due to covid Mm -hmm. just like all other good things in our world you were delayed due to covid but that's okay my birth was also delayed it's okay that's just how i am oh really were you a late baby just a couple days and then i was like hey i'm here get out get me out (laughs) (laughs) my mom almost had me in the car i was like let's go let's get the show on the road very aries of you Okay, so what were your initial reactions to seeing it? I really liked it. I don't know. I want to say I loved it, but I really want to see it again just to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) There were certain parts about it that I really did not like, obviously. I don't know. I, I, I thought it was good. Me and Tony couldn't stop talking about it after and today and, you know, we just can't stop. So I think that means it's good. (laughs) I think that means we liked it. Yeah, I saw it when it was released during the fan event, and I saw it a second time last night with my mom, and then I watched it a third time today online, which, come arrest me, I don't care, I paid to see it twice. (laughs) So (laughs) with my work schedule, I was not going to be able to go back and see it again today. But I liked it a lot more the second time. And this has happened to me before with other movies that were really anticipated for me. Sometimes the first time I see them, I'm just so anxious and I'm like, what's going to happen? Who's the killer? Like, what's going on? And it's hard for me to appreciate it as much. And I feel like when I got to see it a second time, I could stop being so critical of, you know, well, why are they doing that? Or like, that doesn't feel like Wes would, what Wes would do, or like, that's not right or whatever. And I could just be like, okay, I already know what I don't like about the movie. So I can just kind of sit back and enjoy the things that I do like. And now I think I'm better at appreciating it for what it is rather than criticizing it for what it is because there's really no point to that it's 
I mean, even if they did listen to random fans, it's doing so well. Like nobody cares about the criticism because it's really doing well. And I have to say, even when I disliked it more than I do now, I was still really happy that Scream was relevant and that something that was so important to me when I was a child and then a teen and then 20s it's still important and it's not just important to me it's like very relevant and people are going to see it in droves so even when I was more pissed about a lot of aspects of the movie I wasn't like you guys are stupid for liking it fuck you I was more like (laughs) I'm so happy that everybody likes it because even if it's not my favorite in the franchise, which it's definitely my least favorite in the franchise, I don't care because it's still Scream and it's back. And I just think that that's really awesome. That's how I felt when Gilmore got Gilmore Girls <laughs> got rebooted. I was like, even though I didn't love the reboot, like there were things about it that I really hated. The fact that it was made at all is a good thing because it, it makes possibilities for more, you know, or it just like raises it to public consciousness again when it hasn't been in the public consciousness for a really long time yeah and i think that scream doing so well well this scream scream 5 doing so well it's already done better than scream 4 did its entire run and it's only been out for just over a week i think that proves that even if a reboot comes out and it maybe doesn't do as well as expected that there still could be space for it years later And that it's never really over. Like if something has a big fan base, just because one installment doesn't do well or one installment isn't great doesn't mean that it can't come back. So I'm really hoping that Gilmore Girls makes up for whatever the fuck that was because (laughs) I don't understand it. And I love, uh, you know this, Gina got me into Gilmore Girls, so she's responsible for a lot of things in my life. Oh, yep. Um, (laughs) I love it. And there are (laughs) things I loved about that revival, but... That revival makes this makes Scream Five look like an Academy Award winning, like you know what I mean. Yeah, it does. Sorry, Amy. I'm sorry, but if we even get into that, we will literally be here all night. So, yeah, I'm just gonna jump over that one. You guys are in for a treat because we are gonna go through the whole movie. Now, from here on out, there are going to be spoilers for every single reveal in this movie. So, if you have not seen it yet, please go see it. Turn this off. What are you doing? Like literally, go right now. It's yeah. only ten thirty. You you can find a showing like that's hasn't started yet. A hundred percent. Saturday. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the opening. So obviously, Scream is known for its openings, and she even says that in this opening. Like Stab is known for the openings, you know. And how did you feel that this ranked against the other openings? I liked it. I always, like I said, I love the callbacks, you know, to the originals and especially like the original original, you know, I obviously noticed a lot of things like her playing with the knife and the knife block. I kind of like that it was different because she didn't die. I thought Mm -hmm. that was kind of surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it felt a little bit anticlimactic to me. Yeah, I agree. I, I really didn't like it the first time. The the first time I saw it after this this one scene, I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. She should have died, damn it. Well, not that, but just like the, <laughs> whole, the whole scene. Yeah, it was kind of dumb. I was like, they don't get it. I was like, they're not doing it. This is not it. Yeah, this isn't right. This isn't Scream. It was not Scream. And <laughs> so when you and I saw Scream 4 together, Gina had moved to Indiana. We grew up in the same town and Gina moved to Indiana which rude um I'm here Sorry. but whatever 
I flew to Indiana to see it with her because that's what a big deal it was. And I would have flown to freaking Florida to see this one, except COVID is just like messing with everything. So anyway, literally, we had the best time. I don't know how well you remember that, but like, I viscerally remember watching the opening of Scream 4 in the theater. I remember being like, holy fuck, like I had the opposite reaction to this one. I was like, they're doing it again. It's back. Like I found the opening shocking and so fun how they played with, you know, your mind. You, you think that it's the opening and then it's stab and then you think it's the opening again and, <laughs> it's stab, and then it, and then it's finally the real people. Like I loved, laughed, played, danced for that opening. Okay. And this one to me, I really, I didn't like that it was so contained. She's literally in the kitchen or like her hallway in front of the door the whole time. And I love the movement of the opening of the original with Drew Barrymore, the way they use the house and the outside. And I just really love chase scenes. I think that's one of my (laughs) things that I really hate that they didn't really do is the chase scenes. I just think that's so fascinating, especially in film, because like how you choreograph all of that, it's so complicated. Like people don't even realize how complicated it is to do these things. And I just find it so fascinating. So I was kind of disappointed with that. But I do like that she survived. And I love that they really brought back the phone call. Yeah, I was surprised, actually. It was a little bit weird, I think, still, that they had a landline. Yeah, well, it wouldn't have worked if she didn't have her cell phone right there. It felt to me like they only have a landline because she lives with her mom, who's, you know, like the worst mom ever. Yeah, like, (laughs) what the hell? Where is she? Her her daughter almost died several times, and she's just like, oh, she's stuck in, where was she? London or something? Yeah, she was stuck at a conference. I'm like, how do you, can't you just leave? No, your daughter was almost stabbed (laughs) to death. You're going to go back home, bro. What the hell? I know, and she doesn't show up at all. Yeah, she literally never appears. She's the third killer. (gasps) (laughs) Ultimately, I feel like this movie is about, like, it's not about Sydney, right? Like, this movie is kind of about two sisters finding their way back to each other through their trauma. It would have been really great if the mom showed up at the very end. She could have been shown, like, when all the ambulances are out and Gail and Sydney are sitting there, like, maybe she could, like, be speeding in on an uber or something and and being like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i got stuck i couldn't make it because like i could see i mean how many days was this movie like two or three days i I could see how she could maybe truly get stuck but then show up (laughs) like come on girl no wonder why your daughters are all messed up she should have showed up at least once like that really infuriated me i i've felt the very like a gaping absence of parents like as time goes by, like the fourth movie, I felt that way. And the fifth movie, I really felt that way. I was like, where are everyone's parents? And also, where are the people that work in the hospital in this town? Okay, thank you. Well, this goes back to Scream 4 too, because I felt the same way. Like, where are the people that work in this hospital? Where are the other people that are staying in the hospital? Where is everybody? Thank you. So (laughs) I love Scream 4. Like a lot of the criticisms that other people have, I do not have about it. And I love the end scene in the hospital. I think it's so, so good. Yeah. But why is there no one in this hospital at all except for Gail, <laughs> Dewey, <laughs> Sydney, uh, Hicks, and Jill? And one cop. Literally, like where, you know, and I love how at the end Gail's like, 
can we get a fucking doctor in here or whatever she says yeah scream for like and it's not just that either it's like not only where are the doctors and nurses but also there are security people in hospitals like more than just one random cop yes you have to like show id and prove that you're there to visit somebody and all that kind of stuff and in this one they tried to explain it away because hicks was like we're gonna put you on a private floor but private floors have staff they might not have other patients, which is there really like entire floors of hospitals that only have one patient on the entire floor? In Woodsboro, I guess. I guess. And in that scene when she wheels herself over, there's a cop dead, but there's no nurses. There's no orderlies. Like imagine how terrifying it would have been if she wheeled over there and there was like four dead bodies, like, <laughs> you know, like a couple yeah. nurses and just the staff of the fucking hospital. I think that those are two, even though I love Scream 4, I feel like those are really stupid things and that shouldn't be ha- – like that shouldn't be something that they yeah, would they ignore. could have worked around it. Exactly, especially Wes Craven. Come on, dude. You're a master. You can figure this out. Well, in the last one, didn't Sydney's assistant die in the parking – you know, from the parking garage of the hospital? Yeah. That's a huge hospital and you're telling me nobody works there? <laughs> You know, it's like the Woodsboro Community Hospital or whatever, but it's clearly huge. It just is annoying because I feel like Tara shouldn't even have had to wheel herself out of there. I thought it was so cool how she was smart enough to at least know, like, I need to fucking move. Like, she just had some kind of spidey sense or psychic moment <laughs> where she was like, and she just goes, fuck this. <laughs> and she's such a badass. Like, she's like barely able to move and she's wheeling herself out and trying it even though she's so weak at this point and i love that but why doesn't she have a button that she can press and someone will come i think she did i think she did press a button and then she she left anyway yeah but that's another thing that i thought was different about this one was that like they were very realistic with the people in the hospital i know that at the end of scream four like jill kind of shoves her fingers into sydney's wounds and whatever but Usually when people are in the hospital in these movies, they fight like really hard as if they have not been injured at all. Mm -hmm. But Tara was like, when she said, fuck this, and she started to rip all her, you know, her tubes out and stuff. I was like, oh, good. Get it, girl. And then she and then I was like, oh, but she got stabbed through the hand and her leg got like broken. Yes. And then she got in the wheelchair and I was like, oh, this cannot end well. (laughs) There's no way. Can't believe she survived. I know. And Sam said she was stabbed seven times. So that means she was stabbed six times in her abdomen. That's insane. And she's so tiny. She wouldn't have lived in real life. No, there's no way. Well, one thing that annoys me about all of these movies is, and especially this one, is that when someone is stabbed, sometimes they get stabbed one time and they're dead. Yeah. And then sometimes they get stabbed like 12 times and they're totally fine and they can just stand up. I do know sometimes in real life you can get lucky if they don't stab something important, important, right? And also there's a lot of people that would survive had they not bled out. And that's why they say that if you ever get stabbed, you should leave the knife in you until you get to the hospital because when you pull it out, that's when all the blood comes out. And I saw a fan theory that was like, that's why Dewey lived in the first one because Ghostface just stabbed him in the back and then... Left, left which it. actually makes sense i don't know how the hell he survived scream too but that's another story so okay back to the opening i thought the whole phone call was really fun you could tell how much the killer was enjoying it and obviously 
you know, it was Richie and Amber. They were super into it. And I feel like they really wanted to play this out. They really wanted to be like, what's your favorite scary movie? And you could like feel how excited they were to say those words. And I do like the conversation of elevated horror versus slashers because Mm -hmm. that is what's really popular right now is the elevated horror or just the really, really dark horror that doesn't leave you feeling the same way that these movies leave you feeling like these movies even though they're violent and dark they're fun to a degree and like after you see hereditary you're just like i don't know if i want to continue on with my life yeah they're like psychologically damaging (laughs) you're like what and by the way have you seen the babadook no it is one of the scariest movies ever made i was absolutely terrified when i saw you were terrified then i don't want to see it ever I know. And it's not so much what you see, it's what you don't see. That's what that movie does so great is giving you clues to what's happening, but you don't really know. And the sound design was really terrifying and it was so eerie and creepy. And I was so nervous and I was like really upset watching it. And I love it. I think it's brilliant because I don't usually have that reaction, but it's not like Scream where it's fun. It's like you're going into this deep experience and... I totally get how some people would say they're better than slashers and in some ways they are but I think it just depends on every individual movie I would never say like oh well this subgenre is just always better like I tend to prefer supernatural horror but then again my favorite horror movie is Scream so it's like (laughs) you know what I mean what it's really based on the individual movie yeah it really is I do like the supernatural element of most horror movies but I really like I don't know I don't know maybe that is my favorite because I love like The Shining. That's probably like one of my favorite classic horror movies. Me too. That's oh, I, it's definitely my favorite classic horror yeah, movie. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to see like a list and be like, do I like these better or do I like those better? <laughs> I'll work on that. Okay, thank you. That would be really helpful. Did you see The Witch? No. It's set in like the 1600s on a farm, and nothing happens almost the entire time, and you're just so nervous the whole time because you're like, I know some shit is going to go down. There's no way (laughs) – you're just like, there's no way this movie isn't fucked. Like, I know this movie is going to traumatize me, but when? And I I feel like that's what Tara was trying to say. Like, she's more into that slow burn kind of thing. And Richie and Amber are obsessed to the point of, you know, they just have to make sure there's another great one. That's basically what they're setting up here. And I thought it was really funny how Tara – says that the stab movies are overlit because that's a really common critique of Scream, the original, and Scream 2. And to an extent, Scream 3, but if you notice, Scream and Scream 2 are lit very brightly. They look beautiful. They're Mm -hmm. not trying to scare you with shadows and all of that kind of stuff. There's not people hiding behind creepy in doorways and you can't really see what's going on. Like there's none of that. It's beautiful. Like especially all the scenes outside. It's like interesting that that Wes decided to put them in those situations. Like when they're all outside sitting on the wall at school at the beginning or like when Sydney and Tatum are having a pretty serious conversation. They're outside on the porch like surrounded by all these beautiful green trees mm-hmm. and the and sunlight it's sunny. yeah yeah and he could have chosen to put them in like a claustrophobic like hallway or something like that and he does it and i think that's really interesting because it contrasts the darkness of the story it's an artistic choice but a lot of people say it, the movie is just it doesn't have an overwhelming like creepy feeling that's a choice that he made i don't know how you feel about it but i never noticed that until i started listening to other people 
critique the movie. <laughs> so I wasn't bothered by that. I don't know that I noticed it about these movies. I've noticed it about other movies. Have you ever seen Mean Creek? No. Okay. So it's this really, really fucked up movie with Josh Peck where they accidentally kill a bully. They didn't do it on purpose. I mean, he accidentally dies, but they lured him there. So it's kind of like they killed him and they have to like cover it up. And as the movie goes on, it starts as if like everything's sunny and beautiful. And this bully is like, oh my God, I'm finally being accepted. And this is great. Like these people are finally wanting to hang out with me. And then like as things go bad, it gets darker and darker, like not necessarily darker, but like it gets more washed out and there's less color. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've, since I saw that like years ago, which it's really, really good, but it's very disturbing. I have paid attention to that, especially since like The Ring. I always think like every scene in The Ring where you know that it's sunny, you can't tell that it's sunny. Mm-mm. But um, I do like that about Scream because it makes it feel like real life. It's almost better than real life. It's like idyllic. And they all look so beautiful lit like that. Yeah. Like they're beautiful people anyway, but they look the best with that lighting. <laughs> you know, they look better than they do on the red carpet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, like you're saying with the meta stuff, I love that this time instead of answering questions about Freddie and Jason, she's answering questions about Sydney and Gail. And those are the answers because the previous movie icons are not really as relevant anymore and now the questions are all about my queen Sid. I also thought it was funny that she only remembers Billy as the killer and Stu is just getting sidelined like he can't even be remembered for that. Yeah and it's it's ironic because her sister is his daughter and she doesn't even know that. Right. (laughs) Like if she knew that it would make more sense that she would think he was the only killer. Well it's funny because I I was thinking about like real killers And what does the general public, like if Billy and Stu were real, like what would the general public remember? Because I was like, what's another killing where there were like two killers? And I was like, okay, Columbine. And I could only remember one of the names of the boys that did that. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I still can't remember the other one. I didn't Google it. I keep like waiting to think of it. Which one is it that you remember? Dylan Klebold. That's the one I remember too. Because his mom, she wrote a book. She did a TED talk. I feel like she's been really honest about her feelings and how she's tried to process all of this and I just remember that really strongly and I can't remember the other dude's name but it's just funny how I mean I'm not saying everyone is like that I'm sure many people remember both of their names but I mean I just thought it was funny that she only remembered one name and then that's the same exact thing that happened to me and I like that she googles while she's on the landline because I was like, if she doesn't Google this, I swear to God, I'm going to be so pissed. And then she did. And then I was like, oh, no, can he like see her? Is he going to kill her because she's cheating or something? But they didn't do that. And then we get to see the cast of Stab and we get to see the one, the only Parker Posey, Jennifer Jolie. Yes, <laughs> applause. David Schwimmer is on there. He played Dewey. So I like that, too. And also, did you notice that Ghostface sounded the most normal that he's ever sounded at the beginning? Yes, I did. I was like, I know this is him because I know his voice, but this sounds like a normal person. They definitely told him to sound as normal as possible. Like, that must just be Roger Jackson's everyday voice. Voice, yeah. I always thought it was funny that when Casey picks up the phone and she's just, like, flirting with him, I'm like, he sounds scary as fuck, though. Like, <laughs> And he doesn't sound normal. And in this one, he sounds pretty normal at the beginning. And he also says his name is Charlie, which killer in Scream 4. Hi. I'm surprised. I don't know if there were any Jill references in this movie. There probably are. And I just missed them. I wrote down so many of these little things. And I'm sure there's a million more. Then we meet Richie. I really liked him. Trash. What an asshole. 
I knew it was him. Did you, well, first of all, did you suspect the killers? Like, who did you think was the killer? All of that. I don't want to say I suspected anyone specifically, but but the things that other people said made me think. Dewey suspected Richie. He said, how long have you known this guy? Six months. Oh, well, always suspect the love interest. And I was like, oh shit. But he seemed so innocent. And then um, I can't remember who it was, but when Sam called everybody to the twins house and they were all talking about, well, the killer has to be in this friend group and they're all like accusing each other. Um, somebody accused Amber of being the killer because it came from her phone. They were like, well, maybe the phone wasn't cloned and maybe it was actually you. And I was like, oh shit. And then Amber just disappeared for most of the movie. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of suspicious. Yeah. And that's how I felt about Roman too, because I was like, I know Roman is the killer and he just like pieces out for almost the whole movie. I'm like, well, clearly he's the killer because he's never around. Okay, so when I watched this, I wasn't trying the whole time. I'm not one of those people who's like, who's the killer? Who's the killer? Who's the killer? I I kind of want to just let it unfold. And if someone jumps out at me, then I'll think about it a little deeper. But generally, I'm not trying to outsmart the movie. I would prefer the movie outsmart me because I like being surprised. Yeah, that's the whole point. But I definitely suspected him from the beginning. I was just like, it would make sense. They're trying to be meta. It's the boyfriend. I know you're saying that he was sweet, but there's something about it that I just didn't really buy. I was like, he's being weird. I don't know. And I don't I don't know if Jack Quaid was trying to do that or not, but I actually thought he he was better at acting in the sweet guy scenes than he was in the crazy guy on the killer yeah scenes i agree overall i didn't love his performance but we meet the star of the movie which i'm sorry i really like melissa barrera and i loved her in in the heights she has such a beautiful voice and i found her much more captivating in that i'm not saying she did a bad job but when mindy says you're the star i'm like Tara is the star. Tara is the Sydney. Tara fucking, I don't know how the hell she is alive. She went through more than anybody in this movie and she still slayed and beat that bitch over the head with her crutch. I just felt like she was so much more, she was given a lot more to do, I felt like, than Sam. And I just wasn't as crazy about the character of Sam and the performance of the actress. I just thought that Tara was the one that really should be like the Sydney. What did you think? It was confusing, honestly. Like, it did seem like Sam was supposed to be the main character because of her whole thing with being Billy's daughter. Yeah. But it seemed like Tara should have been the main character mm -hmm. just because she survived multiple times. And she was kind of a badass, even though she was like a little little tiny thing and, you know, she was so injured. I kind of feel like it would have been cooler if the sisters were switched and it was the little sister knew that the big sister was the daughter of Billy, but she didn't know that that wasn't her father. Yeah. So then the little sister could have like revealed it. Like, well, I read mom's diary, you know, I just felt like Sam was kind of like just there. Even though she did do a lot, it just didn't feel like, like her being the final girl and the star. I thought it was crazy that Mindy put like such fine a point on it. She was like, you're the star. And I was like, really? I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, not really. It didn't seem like anyone was the star, honestly. It was more of an ensemble, right? Yeah. So we find out basically that Wes, the son of Judy Hicks, called to let her know that her sister was attacked. And even though they've been estranged for a few years, 
she still immediately comes. So that shows the bond between them. And of course, Richie just insists on coming because, you know, he just loves her so much that he just has to be there for support. Meanwhile, who do you think attacked Tara? Because I think we're supposed to think that it that Richie was in Modesto with Sam, even though they never explicitly say where he was the night before. But I I thought like if he wasn't with Sam the night before, there had to have been a conversation where she was like, well, where were you last night? So we're supposed to believe it's Amber. Amber did that. I don't know. Like it just like, and I don't want to be like, I don't want to act like women can't do these things because the killer could easily be female basic instinct but amber's so small and jill too was like tiny Mm -hmm. (laughs) well jill i think was fueled by like psychotic rage true (laughs) but i just because amber killed dewey too and i just don't buy it i don't know it just doesn't seem believable to me yeah that's what people were saying on the imdb trivia page they were like there's no way amber could have killed she was a very small girl it's not like she was Louisa from Encanto. <laughs> <You know? laughs> she she was just like a tiny little skinny little girl. Like how I don't know, but but it would be it would have been a good cover up for it to have been Amber that attacked Tara because she was videoing herself as if Ghostface yeah. was coming after her. So that would have been a really, really smart thing to do. And I guess Tara is even smaller than her. But yeah. Dewey Dewey is Dewey. I don't know. But you know, but Dewey he has been stabbed and shot and whatever and he's obviously an alcoholic so maybe he i mean they asked him to retire so maybe he really just didn't have much strength left in him i don't know mm. Ugh, i don't want to even think about it <laughs> i know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get there so just oh, God. deep breaths Ugh. then we get to see all the new characters at woodsboro high sitting outside having the convo just like in the other one except way less intriguing of a conversation but i still i still like the scene who was your favorite new character that's hard i didn't love any of them honestly a lot of the like the old characters i loved most of them like i hated billy i didn't love sid honestly i loved tatum i loved Stu, and i loved randy but i didn't feel i didn't have any strong feelings about any of them this time i felt that way the first time i think that maybe you'll feel different once you see it again because you could like really focus on the details yeah. It's hard to follow the first time you see it because there's so many new people and they all have these like quick, quippy lines. And there's just a lot of things I didn't catch the first time. Yep. But I mean, I think obviously considering my love for Randy and everything, you would think that my favorite character would be Mindy because she's basically Randy in, you know, a black wig. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did like her, but I think my favorite character was Wes, which I don't even know why because. He didn't have, like, great lines or anything, but I just – I really – there's something about that actor, and I haven't seen him in a lot of things. I know he was in 13 Reasons Why. That's what everyone knows him from. I never watched that. Me neither. Um, I I just – I've seen his face. I know that, but I don't remember actually seeing him in a movie before. I'm sure I have, but – I just found him really endearing. I thought he was really cute and nice, and I loved how aware he was. It makes sense because he's the son of the sheriff that he mm-hmm. has a stun gun. You know, he's telling them, take find my, you know, don't put find my fam on your phone, like disable location services. I found him just to be very, like a very interesting character, and I was really disappointed when he died, which we'll get to that. But yeah, I really liked him, and I liked this whole conversation 
out here, kind of introducing us to everybody really quick. And I like how Mindy in this conversation is she's just very dark. She's like, well, Tara could get attacked again. Like, you know, she <laughs> that's could be- me. <laughs> <laughs> Like, she could be dead tomorrow or whatever she said. And everybody else was like, what the fuck? Yeah, she's being realist. She is. And she's the one who isn't the killer. So she's not afraid to say dark things because she's not actually the killer. So she's not worried about seeming super nice. Which, if you watch Amber throughout the whole thing, Amber's putting on this act of like, I'm protecting Tara because Mm -hmm. nobody else will. And, you know, is Tara okay? And... You know, like making all those comments about the sister and the mom and stuff. So they do this on purpose. Like the people that they set up, like as soon as they showed the Kyle Gallner character, I was like, there's no way he's the killer because they're they're presenting him as a little dangerous and like wrong side of the tracks. That way, stupid people are going to be like, oh, maybe it's maybe that creepy guy's the killer. And it's like anyone who knows movies is going to be like, he's not the killer. There's no way. Yeah. Plus, he literally had a knife out at the. <laughs> whatever the pool hall like obviously it's not going to be him like they're they're really trying to shove a red herring in our face yeah and his character had no point except that he's <sighs> Stu's nephew that so- was so stupid i was like what the hell was the point what you don't even remember him you don't remember he had no barely any backstory that's what i loved about the originals was everybody had such a good backstory but this guy was just like such a random loser and they were just like oh this guy got murdered and i was like i don't really care i'm sorry well kevin williamson has a really specific skill that a lot of people a lot of people don't have and he that is that he can give characters one or two lines that are so perfect that you know like everything about that person based on a few lines, their wardrobe, their attitude, and how they deliver them. Mm -hmm. And that's something that really talented writers can do and other people like beat around the bush and don't quite present them in an articulate way. And that's one of the things that I really missed about Kevin's writing. And I like these characters. Like I'm not even saying that, that they're bad characters or that the writing's bad, but it's not the sharp writing of Kevin and my biggest thing is like why on God's green earth did Kevin Williamson not write this script I can't answer that <laughs> I who can I mean besides Kevin God, Williamson um yeah. well same <laughs> write to him just ask him see if he'll answer you literally I'm just gonna dm him and be like dude <laughs> I just want to know why it's fine I like the movie I just want to know why yeah, because obviously, I mean, it doesn't need to be said. It's tragic that, you know, Wes is gone and it wasn't an option for him to direct it. Fine, okay. But Kevin's very alive and well. And it's not like the directors of the movie also wrote it. So it was like their whole project. They, it has se- separate writers. So why? I mean, I just feel like there were some egos involved because if that was me, even if I wrote a Scream script and I thought it was amazing, I would still hand it over to Kevin and be like, dude, if you want to butcher this, like yeah, take it away. Yeah, like do it because I wouldn't even be here. I wouldn't even have written this if it wasn't for you. Like you're the master. Yes, Wes was magical and <laughs> amazing. And the ideal is to have the the team of them make one. But Scream 3 was directed by Wes, but not written by Kevin. And it was still great. I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but we <laughs> love it. And for this one, I think this one could have been much better if it was written by Kevin and then still directed by Radio Silence or someone else. But I just feel like each of them should have one (laughs) or the other, if not both. He produced it. He's an executive producer. I get that that means his stamp of approval is on this, but I wonder if there was any animosity there. Like, was he upset that he couldn't write it? I mean, I really doubt that he just didn't want to. And that's why I think there was some deal made where these people wrote it and that was it. And I just... 
totally don't get it. Like, why wouldn't you, as the when you're the movie studio, when you're the director, why wouldn't you want the person responsible for this to have written it? Because as amazing as Wes is, he didn't come up with this. Kevin came up with it, you know? Yeah. I wonder if it's just kind of like a passing of the torch type of thing. Like, they wanted someone new to do it. Maybe. Ugh. I hope he writes Scream 6. I need it. As long as he's involved in some way. Uh, he has to be. Um, so... But I also was thinking about um, one of my least favorite scenes was the one where they're at the bowling alley in the beginning when Sam and Richie are introduced. And when she finds out that her sister was stabbed, when she gets off the phone, he's like, okay, hold on a second. Like, and he makes her hug him. And I'm like, just let her go. I would, if my, if something happened to my sister like that, I'd be like, don't fucking touch me. I'm, I'm out. Like, don't, do not come with me. Do not touch me. Do not talk to me. I'm fine. I will be fine. Let me go. That really pissed me off. And that happens a lot in these movies is like somebody gets attacked and they're just like talking to someone else like nothing even happened. I would yes. be freaked out. I would be crying. She didn't cry at all. Even if I was estranged from my sister for 25 years, I would still cry and be like, oh my God, I got to get to her like as soon as humanly possible. And she's just like, okay. Let's hug. I'll be fine. <laughs> I wish she said that. Okay, let's, <laughs> let's hug. hug. <laughs> yeah, and so many things have to go exactly right for this whole thing to work out. Like, what if she had just been like, no, I don't want you to come. He would have had to, like, follow her there secretly. Yeah, or if she didn't care about her sister. Or if she truly was a terrible person, she was like, ah, oh, she'll be all right, and just didn't go. Then he would have just murdered her, like, in her apartment, and then there would be no movie. <laughs> So yeah, the only thing about Vince that's interesting is that he's Stu's nephew, but we only find that out later. And I was like, they could have, if it's Stu's nephew, I know that like your nephew isn't always going to be exactly the same as you, but like they could have had a fun character like Mindy be Stu's nephew or niece. And, or if you're going to have any relation to him, why did it have to be someone who was just like a nothing character who was literally just like thrown away? But the one thing I like about his scene is that they brought back the red right hand song by Nick mm -hmm. Cave and it's playing on the radio so it's diegetic and yeah. I thought that was really cool but that was really the only thing I liked about this entire thing with him I think it was stupid I thought it was really stupid like yeah. I I like that he was Stu's nephew but why didn't they go more into that like they should have I don't know they should have done something else with him yeah we don't even know who he is or what kind of person he is he just seems like an asshole and then he dies like that's it and Stu is such an important character obviously but they only want to pay attention to billy in this movie yeah so sam and richie are on the way to woodsboro and richie is pretending that he knows nothing about the stab movies and sam is kind of giving him a primer and it's so funny watching it back the second time because you're like what a fuckhead like he's like <laughs> he's like oh but it seems like halloween isn't it like halloween and she's like no and he's like but it kind of seems like it is i'm like ew you're obsessed with these movies shut the fuck up like i've never been more annoyed by the, the killers than i have in this one for this one i was just like not really intrigued and not really like fascinated or scared by them i was just kind of like ew shut up yeah me too especially with amber and then at the end when they reveal themselves and then they're they're kind of she keeps calling him baby yes yes i hated that i, that I wrote so that down annoying they went out of their way to like make sure everybody knew they're in a relationship which ended up being inconsequential anyway it would have been exactly the same if they were just best friends yep. you know what I mean like it, it made no difference and at one point I think I don't know if it's her or him but one of them calls the other one hun and I'm like I've never heard a 20 year old call their boyfriend <laughs> hun 
Ugh, I just, I hated Amber. I really hated her. I didn't like their performances. The way they delivered it, it was always like, what do you think there, baby? Like, it was just so, like. Yeah, I think that they were trying to make Amber, like, stew. Oh, That's God. what it seemed like. But Richie was Fail. just, he he was nobody. Who was Richie supposed to be? Nobody. He was, he, I just, I didn't find it believable at all. I, I'm not saying that I didn't like it. I just don't understand their motives, really. Like, I know, I know what their motives were because I watched the movie, but. I just didn't buy it. No, I think that by far, these were the weakest killers. And this is in a series where one of the killers is Roman. So let's just (laughs) remember that. So one thing I like that they did in this movie that I've never seen them do in one of the other ones is they showed the Woodsboro sign when they were driving into town. Yeah, that was cool. I was like, oh shit. Even though we had already been in Woodsboro, I was like, oh fuck, this is like gonna go down now. It's kind of like the Storybrook sign in Once Upon a Time. Like you go you go past it and you're like, some shit's going down. Yeah, it's like, here we go. So yeah, then Sam gets to the hospital. We see the little reunion with her and her sister. After that is the bar scene. And this is where they, well, first of all, why are a bunch of high schoolers like going to a bar? They're drinking out of flasks. Yeah, it's and it's the same thing. Like I understand when they have a party, they're gonna be drinking, but I I thought the same thing. Like, why are they drinking in public? <laughs> They're like I don't 17. Know. How are these people getting away with this? Where's the alcohol coming from? I, I don't get it. <laughs> I did like when Mindy says to live, you're too boring to be a psycho. And this is where they all start kind of talking about motives and suspects. And one thing I did like is that all the friends are, you know, hyper aware the same way that they were in the original, but almost to a higher degree where it's like, Every few minutes, they're like, well, how do I know you're not the killer? Well, you're obviously the killer because of this. Or why are you doing that? You must be the killer. Like, I did like that they were all paranoid like that because, mm-hmm. I mean, if this was really happening, like, when you think about it, how many people that Sydney was super close to, <laughs> like, her own cousin, her boyfriend, her boyfriend's best friend that she saw every day probably her whole life growing up in school, like – it's crazy. How can you trust anybody? So I think that that would be what would be going through my mind too. It's like, I think I know these people, but. Yeah, me too. Especially because there's so many of them this time. I felt like they were just like, like, I didn't even remember about Liv too much. I couldn't even remember her name sometimes. Yeah, they didn't give her that much to do, but she does have, I thought, one really good scene, which I'll get to when that's like at the end. Mm-hmm. Then we go back to the hospital. Sam is at the hospital looking in a mirror. And here is where we get the first moment of Billy Loomis in a Scream movie since 1996. Were you shocked? Were you, did you think it was lame? Did you like it? No, I loved it. I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad. Because I went on the IMDb page weeks ago because I'm stupid. And I I didn't look at anything. I guess I just wanted to look at the cast. And I saw, the only thing I saw that gave me any information was uh, the twins, what their names were. And I was like, thank God, somebody's related to Randy. But (laughs) But that's all I saw. And I, you know, I saw, you know, the legacy characters and whatever. But I'm so glad I wasn't spoiled. I always say spoilered. I wasn't spoilered <laughs> on that. And I was, I was really blown away. I was like, I, I can't believe they did this. I loved it. I really loved it. I did. I found it exciting too. I thought it was a good, what's the word? Not trick, but for years, if you're in the Scream fandom, you know that people have been saying, is Stu ever going to come back? Because Kevin Williamson's original idea for Scream 3 was that Stu had survived. He was in prison. And there were a cult of his followers writing to him from outside prison. And speaking of Charles Manson, it's very realistic because Mm -hmm. Charles Manson had a ton of people that loved him, would defend him, would say, oh, well, he never actually killed anybody with his own knife. You know, like he had a fiance when he died in jail, like 
fucked up shit, right? So this yeah. actually really happens. It was going to be a group of killers that were killing on behalf of Stu. And, you know, some people are like, oh, that's just a stupid fan theory. But it's actually not. Kevin Williamson wanted this to happen. And Matt uh, Matthew Lillard actually revealed that he was signed on to do it. They were three weeks away from filming. And then they heard that, that it wasn't going to happen because of Columbine. It was too violent and dark of a plot. So that's coming yeah. straight from Matt's mouth. So this was not just like a fan theory. This was not just people that liked him hoping that he would come back. This was actually going to happen. So everybody is thinking now finally here's the moment where Stu's going to come back. And a lot of people thought that. If you look at Matt's social media, a lot of his fans were like, I know that you're in this. I know that you're in it. And he kept replying and saying, I'm not in it. I'm not in it. And he is in it. <laughs> Do you know that he's in it? I read all of the trivia on the IMDb page. So I know that like everybody's in it. <laughs> okay. So he is in it, but he's not in it as himself. He's not in it as Stu. It's, a, you know, like an Easter egg, which we'll get yeah. to it. But he's not in it the way that Billy's in Billy is actually really in it, you know? Yeah, like his face is in it. Yes. And Jamie Kennedy actually revealed that... Jamie, Matt, and Skeet were all at a convention together over the 4th of July. They start talking about Scream, obviously, the reason that they're all there. And Skeet goes to Jamie, oh, you didn't get the call? And then Matt goes, wait, you didn't get a call? And Jamie was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys got calls. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Which, obviously, Jamie did get a, end up getting a call, too, because, you know, he had to provide the pictures and everything for the shrine and all that. But um, yeah. they got calls about it and jamie actually said to them don't tell me i just want to watch it and enjoy it and be surprised which i thought was so Aww. randy i mean that was the most randy thing he could have said <laughs> so there's that that's the um backstory on that but yeah i was really excited by it just to have him back i didn't really even care about the context like even if that hadn't been her father and she was just like seeing Billy Loomis because he's famous for murdering someone I would have been like fine with that too like I just like I just was happy to see him to see somebody from the original back like it was exciting so my thought that I was I was talking to Tony about yesterday I was like I find it interesting that she sees him the way he actually looked when he died she did not know him. She didn't even know that he was her father until she was like 13 or whatever. So don't you think that like unless she saw pictures of him like right around that time, wouldn't she probably see the guy that played him in Stab instead? Well, because she wasn't exposed to the way he really looked. She was exposed to the way he looked in the movie, probably unless she was actually seeing him unless he really was haunting her. Okay, so that's a great point. I think that yes and no. So when they're at the twins house. There's a picture of Billy, like the real Billy, not the stab yeah. Billy. Yeah, just randomly taken like during that scene where he was murdered. There's just a picture <laughs> that suddenly exists. Yeah, at the party, Stu was like, hey, dude, let's take some pics. Yeah. We want to remember this night that we murdered Sydney. Yeah, um, you never know. It might have been like a, um, a disposable camera somebody had. They oh just decided to take pictures of everybody. And they're like, back. I will give you these pictures for $10 million. <laughs> Are you writing a spinoff? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I think that she would know what he looked like around the time because there were pictures of him in the paper. There, Obviously, she would have Googled him many times. Like, I think she would know what he looked like in high school, but I don't think she would know that he had 
those fake stab wounds in his mm-hmm. shirt and the blood and everything. Um, so I think that was more for the fans, unless she literally saw crime scene photos, which I suppose is possible. But I would think that she would more have an idea of what he looked like when he died, but not so much the bloody shirt and everything, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or it really was him and he really was haunting her. her. Yes. <laughs> so that's the other thing is like, I mean, I think that she just as a result of her trauma of like being not just fatherless, but knowing that her father is a serial killer and that's why he's not around. I think that it's probably just a psychological thing, but maybe she has seen an apparition of him or like had a dream where he visited her or something like I'm not saying 100% canon like that it's not just in her mind and it's not just basically her fears talking back to her. Mm -hmm. That's probably what it is. You know, it's like that insecure voice in your head when you, you know, it's like you're your own worst critic. So it's like she's afraid that she's evil somehow because of him. And so she hears that in his voice, like, let's go cut some fucking throats. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, I'm not like you and everything (laughs) because she's afraid that she is. So like, I totally get it. But it is interesting to think about. And I think the whole thing is like really complex because we see Billy, who we only ever saw as this horrible monster, be fatherly. Yeah. Like, even though he's still gross, he's still greasy in death. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Showering was not on his agenda. He was busy. I hope that's on his tombstone. Greasy, even in death. (laughs) At the end, when he gestures to the knife on the floor, that was to me the thing that felt the most like, oh, that's a ghost. Like, he's helping her, you know? Yeah. And it's weird because Billy's a vile, disgusting rapist murderer and here we're seeing him look out for his daughter and it was just one of those reminders that even the worst of humanity are still people and they still love people Mm -hmm. you know like yes there are sociopaths or psychopaths that can't feel actual love or whatever but there's a lot of people that aren't even that they they are murderers but they're also like human beings with emotions and feelings that like care about their family and like Ted Bundy lived with his wife and his wife's kid for years and treated them very well and they didn't know anything and you know it's just some complex themes going on here that you don't always get in a slasher that sometimes you do turn to the psychological horror for but this kind of has that going on too so yeah I really like that I I was very very surprised so there was a throwback to Scream 2 because Sam gets a call from Ghostface again in the hospital like and he attacks her was he really gonna kill her in the hospital break room like really like what was the point of that sure he wasn't really there there was no evidence at all that he was there well that's the thing I was worried that they were gonna think she was crazy and then tie that into like oh she has visions of Billy Loomis that's weird you know like is she the killer like I thought maybe they were gonna do that but they didn't well it's annoying to me because the deputy guy he goes in there you know honestly believing that there's someone in there and like yes there's a chair knocked over. But I was like, <laughs> go in there and show him what happened and show him that there's like a stab mark in the bulletin board and shit. Like, right. And also like where, cause that was, that was Richie because Amber was with Judy at the time. So, um, yeah, you're right. So Richie had to like very, very quickly change out of the, co- like, where did he change? There's cameras all over the hospital. You would have seen Ghostface go into a bathroom and come out as Richie. <laughs> like they just had to review the tapes, but whatever. Yeah. And they kind of just let it go. Like when the, de- when the deputy guy, he goes in there and, and there's no one in there. They're just like, oh, okay. And they mentioned it on the news that she was attacked in the hospital, but I'm like, <laughs> 
Where is the hospital security? Why are they not in lockdown? Can you imagine if that happened in real life? No, it's insane. Yeah, they needed like a Gale character or just Gale to be like, uh, what happened here at the hospital? Like, where was the fucking security? At least like Sam and Judy have this weird relationship, which we see in the next scene. And Sam is kind of complaining about why aren't we being protected more and stuff Mm -hmm. and this is our first like real scene of judy because we see a glimpse of her before and i loved in scream 4 how she was like very silly and goofy she was very much like dewey but she was also very serious and took her job very seriously like she was always like yes sir i'm on it i got it like she was very zealous she was very into her job dutiful (laughs) Yes, exactly. Very dutiful. In this movie, they took away her fun playfulness and they only left the serious cop. And I was really, really disappointed by that erasure of her characterization because she was so fun in Scream 4. Like again, Kevin wrote a character. It wasn't just here's the new cop in town. It was, oh, she's this like nerdy, fun, goofy, silly girl who kind of like flirts with Dewey, but she's not like sexy and predatory about it. She's more cutesy and fun. Like she idolized him. Yeah, she's definitely putting it out there that like if he wanted her, he could could get it. (laughs) But once he said oh you know like I won't be cheating on my wife but I'll be cheating on my diet and everything she just giggles she's not like pushing you know what I mean I loved that that was so cute and they just took that away but yeah. I forgot because I we got talking about the rest of the scene but I just want to go back for a second um when I said it was a scream 2 reference it's when Sam is on the phone and she is very strong and I love that she's just like you want me like come and get me motherfucker and Sydney says something very similar in Scream 3 and Ghostface or Scream 2 and Ghostface says my pleasure and then Mm -hmm. comes out of nowhere and that was exactly what Richie said so I wonder if that was in Stab 2 and that's how he knew that maybe um I did want to ask you also did you realize that the the scene where they were at the picnic tables and the announcement was being made over the high school loudspeaker. Did you realize that that was Drew Barrymore? No, it is. That's what the trivia said. Oh, see, the trivia that I heard was that... um, This is so funny. This is exactly what the fucking directors and writers want (laughs) it's like well i heard that she's in this scene no i heard she's in this scene Uh, i heard that they got um a bunch of people including drew barrymore henry winkler yes jamie to adam brody adam brody to record voices for the party scene yes i did read that also so Um, i didn't even notice i wasn't even listening to the loudspeaker but i'm gonna have to go back and listen to that now yeah i just googled it again it says drew barrymore who paid who played the ill-fated casey becker Blah, 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 serves as the voice of the main character's high school principal, though she's only ever heard over a loudspeaker. And I was like, what? <laughs> How did I not know that? Like Drew Barrymore, come on. Well, I saw at the end, the first time I saw it, I saw that she was thanked at the end. And I was like, yes, I read them all why? out loud. I read them all out loud to Tony because <laughs> I was like, oh my God, look at all the people that, because I, I insist on seeing the whole credits to the very end and people make fun of me, but. No, that's so respectful of the people that made the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that all the time. I like to see the stuff at the end, like the special thanks and things like that, because it's, you know, a lot of times it's somebody that you don't expect to be to be thanked, and you're like, what did they have to do with this? I have to find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I saw that, I was like, I was like, wait, did I miss like a picture of her or something? Or you know, because it was obvious, like when they thanked Jamie, you know, I was like, oh, well, he provided the photos yeah, and everything. His face was in there. But with Drew, I was like, are they just thanking her for being awesome? Because I too feel the need to thank her. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I thought originally. I was like, they just thanked her because she's Casey. But she's no, true. like they it, just needed to. Yeah. 
Well, that's really cool. I'm going to definitely listen for her voice. Um, but I can't wait to see it again. I want to see it again right now. I know. I <laughs> we're in the same place. Yeah, me too. Always. <sighs> so I thought this was a good way to, sh- to set up that Sam is known for being kind of a bad girl. She has this tension with Judy and um, yeah. Judy's like, well – I'm going to worry about people who actually care about this community. I was like, damn. Uh, Yeah, that was pretty harsh. Tough thing to say to a girl whose sister just almost died getting butchered. But okay, girl. Yeah, and she's just like a regular teenager who got into trouble. Like, what did she do? She didn't murder people. Like the rest of the teenagers in the town. Like, calm down. I'm like, Judy, you've dealt with worse. Like, (laughs) let's take a breath here. Okay, so then we have this long exposition scene that I don't like with the two sisters. I just... I don't think it's that In the well- hospital? Yes. Yeah. I don't think it's that well acted. And, and I she's think- like, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, she's like very angry. And I, I kind of get why she's angry, but not really because – I mean, it's – this scene is necessary for the arc of the sisters, right? Because like at mm-hmm. the end when the sisters come together and all of that, I get it. Like there had to be a scene where for some reason Tara's like – fuck you but it's because of you know her finding this diary and it just felt so it felt like a melodramatic teen scene and it just didn't feel natural to me and I just felt like there was a better way they could have explained all of this stuff than just a flat out like here's what happened I'm just gonna tell you the whole story (laughs) you know what I mean yeah she should have like it would have been cooler if Tara had just found out somehow or like she heard Sam telling someone else and she and then like cut to her face like and Sam's like oh my god you weren't supposed to know I didn't want you to know or something right because at the end Sam says to Amber how did you even know that he was my father and Amber's like everyone in this town talks your dad or or your mom was a freaking drunk and I'm like so everyone in the town knows but Tara doesn't know yeah doesn't make any sense yeah I don't know there's just some things in this movie that I'm like okay we need to Kevin um I sounded like you said, we need to Kevin. All right, we need to Kevin. <laughs> okay, that's going to be our new saying. When we say that we need to Kevin, it's we need to do a really good job. <laughs> yeah, we need to. We need something to be like really thoroughly researched and written correctly. Yes. So then Richie overheard the conversation, but he already knew this shit anyway, and he's just pretending to be nice. And she's like, you need to leave because you're going to die. And he's like, no, I love you. I'm staying. And she's like, you're such a dumbass. And I was like, I literally want to vomit. You're all dumb. (laughs) So dumb. Honestly, like, if I'm ever in a relationship and a murder happens within, like, 10 miles, I am, like, ghosting my boyfriend. (laughs) I'm done. Next scene, I gasped. We go to Dewey's, my man, my heart, my life. and Poor Dewey. Oh, my heart. This man. I love this man. Right away, did you see? Tatum's ashes. <laughs> did you notice that? Because I didn't even notice it until- Yes. That I... was the first thing I saw. I was like, oh my God, Tatum. I was kind of annoyed actually that they did like more of a close-up on it because I was like, no, I wanted to be the only one that noticed that. <laughs> Well, I didn't, so I guess you're the Randy. <laughs> I didn't see it. I had to read about it, and then I looked for it. But yeah, he uh, he has Tatum's ashes with a white rose, which I thought was a very classy touch for someone who lives in a trailer and, you know, is yeah. eating like a stale donut. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, this was one thing that – like I only watched the original trailer, and I only watched it twice, and I never watched any of the future ones because I already felt like a lot was given away in the trailer because – just you could see by the way Dewey was living that Gail would not live there. So yeah. I knew that they were divorced or at least separated. 
I was really hoping my prediction when I saw the trailer was like, okay, they are going to get back together through this these series of events, these dramatic events that happen. They're <sighs> going to realize that they love each other. And I can't believe they didn't do that. Even if Dewey had to die, fine. But I wanted first them to get back together. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like they did a little bit. Like, they, at least they hashed out their problems. A little, but... It, Not enough. I mean, how heartbreaking is it that he watches her every morning on television? Ugh. I can't. And I honestly, I've had this thought a few times about like what it would be like to be famous or with someone famous because it must be so weird to have your ex like you're just flipping through the channels and there they are. Or like, you know, you, you're sitting there with your new wife or husband and the news is on and it's like, you know, Jessica Simpson today releasing her new book talking about Nick Lachey. And it's like Nick and his new wife are sitting at the dinner table like, okay, let's turn off the TV. Like that whole kind of thing is so interesting to me. You know, I think most of us, I hate to admit it, but I think most of us, you know, check out the Facebook of our exes or even, you know, sometimes not even exes. Like if I just like had a little thing with someone 10 years ago, I'm like, let me see what he's doing. Yeah, they pop up on people you may know and you're like, you have a baby. I have to stalk you now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So imagine if your ex was on TV every morning. I mean, that's weird, right? Like, what a weird life. And the little, like, when he, I love his acting in this movie. When she comes on TV, his little smile. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh my God. It was too much for me. I was, like, crying right then. And then Sam and Richie get there, and I thought it was really interesting how defensive he was and how he wouldn't even open the door and I feel like that's a horror cliche like there's always not always but in many horror movies this happens in I know what you did last summer you know they find out a connection to what's happening and they have to go to the house and talk to the person and the person won't open the door and they say oh I don't give interviews I don't talk to anyone and then the person outside the door has to say something to convince the person to let them in like that's you know You've seen that in a lot of movies. Well, that's a horse of a different color. <laughs> <laughs> I'll the be original. Um, so, yeah, isn't that – I thought it was interesting that he was so defensive because, yes, he lost Gail, but not because of what happened in the murders. Like, if anything, the murders would always bring them back together. So. Yep. I don't know. I guess he, I mean, it makes sense. He has trauma from all these things that have happened. Like, of course he would, but I just thought it was weird that it took a minute for him to help because usually Dewey was so like ready and rare to go. <laughs> you yeah. know? I found it really sad that he was like an alcoholic now. That was depressing. You know, it is really sad, but it makes sense. And this is what they did with Laurie Strode, too, from Halloween. And, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is always talking about, <laughs> I know that you're not like as big of a. I mean, I don't even know, like, how much you're into Halloween. Obviously, not nearly as much not as Not at all. I've never even seen the whole thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I know. Okay, I just, so it's just, like... It just wasn't my thing. So with the reboot, Jamie Lee Curtis keeps talking about how these new movies are about not trauma, but trauma. She always says that. She's like, this is about trauma. And this is about a young girl that went through these murders and it affected her whole life and she's fucked up. And she is. And she does a brilliant job. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, she's so talented and she does such a great job. And it makes sense that like these people that go through these crazy events, a lot of the time they just, especially once you get through all these sequels, it's like they're just played for laughs more than anything. And it gets really silly. And what the Halloween franchise has done with the reboot is kind of like pull it back and it's like, no, this is serious. Like this girl has been tortured and now she's 60 and she's still dealing with it. And I think 
it, as sad as it is that he's an alcoholic, it makes sense because through all that trauma or trauma, um, he <laughs> it's just so funny because like she's not like English. Like I don't know yeah. what she trauma. Like, she says everything else. Like just look up like one interview about the new Halloween because she says it in every interview it's so funny but so I totally get it and here's like my biggest problem with him dying is that there was really not a resolution to his character and I know a lot of people disagree with me because they're like well you know he showed up he saved Tara whatever but like I don't know I wanted to see like a cheesy thing where he like threw the bottle away or like poured it down the drain before he left or something I don't know I just wanted and maybe not even a resolution with the alcoholism but just like I just wanted if he had to die, which I understand how many people thought like, well, one of the three has to die because it's just too crazy that they would all live through all of this. I get it. Like if he absolutely had to die, then fine. As much as I hate that. And if I was in charge, I would let all three of them survive. I just wanted more to happen before he died. Like I would have liked if he had to die, I would have put him dying at the end. Like he died so early. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. Um. It just wasn't done right. I agree. I'm just obsessed with every Dewey moment. So like I'm probably <laughs> going to just go through this literally That's second. totally fine. I love Dewey. <laughs> so when he lets Sam in, she's like, please just give me five minutes. And he goes, I'll give you two. I'm missing a show I like. Yep. Yep. I thought that was cute. And then when she shows up and she's like, a text message? And he's like, you were on the air. And she's like, how do you know I was on the air? Oh, I know. That's one of the things that got me because I felt like about him dying because I felt like I wanted to hear them say I love you or something before he died because I hate that, that he said you were on the air and she goes, how would you know? Because she doesn't know that he loves her like that still. Like she doesn't yeah. get it. Like she doesn't yeah, know that. apparently he left in the middle of the night. Look, we'll we'll get to my, my thoughts on this because <laughs> I'm pissed. Um, I'm pissed, but I also do have more thoughts about their relationship, so. Oh, well, that will be like, that'll be the eighth hour of this. Another podcast. <laughs> um, so when he turns off the TV, Gail is in the process of saying, if I tried to cut my bangs again, someone stage an intervention. Yep, yep, yep. I noticed that. I tried to tell Tony she did not understand at all. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've talked about the bangs several times and I wrote it down in all my notes and I was like, oh my God, the freaking bangs. We all talk about the bangs. We talk about them in our sleep. We talk about them <laughs> at important life events. It's Hashtag it's- we all talk about the bangs. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I watched Scream 3 the other night for the thousandth time. I enjoyed it so goddamn much. I can't <laughs> tell you. Like, I loved it. I always do. But I don't know. I liked I Like, my opinion on all of them evolves. Like, every – like, sometimes I'll rewatch them and I'm like, oh, I didn't like two as much as three this time. And other times I'm like, oh, I, I really think four is better than two this time. Like, I don't know. I – Yep. It evolves. But um, I was taken aback by, like, yes, she looks so bad in that movie, but she still looks gorgeous. It's like even with this terrible haircut, she looks great. Uh, so they sit down and I love – you brought it up earlier that Dewey right in front of Richie, like he does not give a fuck. He's like, do you yeah. know this guy? I <laughs> and Richie's like, you know, shocked and feigning surprise and everything. He was and probably like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, what do I do? <laughs> I know killer Richie was probably secretly loving it. Like, ooh, Dewey thinks I'm the killer. Like, <laughs> how exciting is this, you know? It's kind of like, you know, if Britney Spears was like, I think you're a good dancer. I would be like, oh my God. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, yeah. Because it's like impressive that he expects him to be the killer. And he's like, fuck yeah, I'm the killer. No, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, That was so good. I was like, yes, Dewey. Because I was like, even by that point, I was already like, he's the killer. And I've never 
I don't think I've ever been that sure about somebody being the killer early on in these movies. Because like I said, I don't try to do that. It's not... Maybe you're supposed to focus on what's going on, not like trying to figure out the mystery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Dewey gives them the rundown and he's like, I've been stabbed nine times. I'm not interested in getting involved with this. Leave me the fuck alone. And I might be paraphrasing. And <laughs> and Sam's like, well, you said that it always goes back to the past. So if I'm in danger, then you're in danger. And he, you know, you could see that in his head. He's like, okay, facts. But he's just like, <laughs> okay, like, bye. <laughs> Gotta go. Like, get out of here. And um then ladies and gentlemen drum roll please sydney prescott yes okay queen uh wasn't in this movie enough what the fuck (laughs) yeah all three of them weren't in the movie enough and i i feel kind of like cheated because i feel like they pushed these three into a press overhaul i don't think i've ever seen so many interviews for a single movie and i'm not kidding and this is coming from someone who obsesses over movies and obsesses over movie stars. And every time I'm into a new movie, I watch every interview. Like, I have an addictive personality. I watch everything. And I still have not seen all of the Scream interviews. And I think I've seen maybe 30. I mean, oh it's, it's crazy. And some of them are just two minutes and other ones are like 20. And they really pushed these three out to promote this. And it's not, they're barely in it. And it just feels like, if you're going to kill off one of the main three, give them a hell of a send-off. Give them some yep. decent scenes. Sydney, Dewey, and Gail are not in a scene together. Like That's weird. What? If you're going to kill him off, he can never come back. Which, honestly, I think it would be hilarious in Scream 6 if he just, like, walks out of his house and no one explains it and he's just <laughs> fine. And he's just, like, <laughs> that would be the most meta thing because he's always coming back and how did he survive? And it's, like, they literally showed the coroner. Yeah, that's what made me so mad. I was, like, I mean, did you notice? Did you see, like, they showed the toe tag. I was, like, does it say his name? Maybe it's not him. I I didn't think that it said his name either. When I was watching it, I was like, wait, they show a coroner, but like, it's a hospital. But there would be no reason for Gail to think that Dewey was dead if he wasn't. I mean, I don't know. She thought he was dead in Scream 2. I don't know. He's he's coming back. We just, it's canon. I don't um, know, but uh, I really liked what you said is that like Dewey wakes up after Scream 2 and he's just been in a coma the whole time and he imagined the whole thing. <laughs> that was genius, except that it needs to be after like during Scream 2 so that Randy's still alive. Oh, well, I actually, I replied to one of Jamie Kennedy's tweets and I was like, I I was like, my hope is that they'll do the same thing because again with Halloween, the new Halloween reboot is a sequel to the first Halloween movie. The other ones exist like in a different plane of reality or something. And it's now just like, okay, what would it be like 40 years after this happened to this teenage girl? No other murders happened, but she still is dealing with this. And I think it would be really fun to have that with Scream because it doesn't erase the sequels. It's just a different timeline. And it would be really awesome if someday they did a Scream 2 and it's not a remake of the one we already have. It's it's a different Scream 2 and it's like, okay, what is it like 30, 40 years after this happened in Woodsboro, the original murders and Randy's still alive. Like how fucking cool would that be, you know? And I really wouldn't put it past them because I think one of the reasons why Scream is doing so well right now is because Halloween already set a precedent of coming back, like a whole new reboot, a whole new director, a whole new thing which is again super meta because the original scream wouldn't exist without the original halloween so it's like yeah just 
endless circles of meta going on. <laughs> okay, so here's where we find out that Sydney is married to Kincaid from Scream 3. Which yeah, I'm is- so dumb. I didn't even remember that his name was Mark. And I was like, Mark, Mark, who's Mark? I need to know who she's married to. And then you said it. And I was like, oh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> well, the great thing is like, it's a generic name. So if Patrick Dempsey doesn't come back, they could just be like, yeah, it's Mark. It's this- different Mark. She just has his gun. Um, he right, actually she- died of a heart attack in between movies and we didn't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, if Patrick Dempsey doesn't agree to do it, she could still have, like, one of his guns from Scream 3. Like, that would be fine. But the thing is, this movie has done so well, I guarantee you, anybody that they want from this whole series to come back will come back. I guarantee yeah, why you. why not? They all want to be on top. Like, they all want to have that big hit. And right now, Scream is the number one movie in America. It knocked off Spider-Man. And people are so fucking obsessed with that new Spider-Man movie. Like, more than (laughs) they even have been in the past. And I haven't even seen it yet, but I'm excited to see it because I heard it's so, you know, amazing. So um, I love that Scream knocked down. I mean, it had already been out for, like, weeks. But, you know, I think it's cool that Scream knocked down such a giant franchise. So, yeah, it was not really confirmed that she was married to Mark Kincaid, but then the directors actually did confirm it. Yeah, I saw that in the trivia. Yeah, so there you go. I guarantee you he'll be back. And we're going to talk about our Scream 6 predictions, and I have one about him that I will get to. So Okay. <laughs> so um, he lies to Sydney because she, she says – what does she say? Some She's like, how's life as a sheriff? And he's like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even tell her. I know. I feel bad. Like, you can confide in her. Hasn't talked to Gail in a couple years. They haven't even talked. And he just watches her on TV every day and they don't talk at all. I can't. Yeah, that's really sad. I think, I think he has a lot of psychological things going on that he needs to address. Big time. And since we know, all know he survived, he's, he'll take care of that. Maybe he'll be a therapist. I would love if he was my therapist. There's always just... time to go to go get your master's, Dewey. It's going to be okay. Exactly. He could just be like, I'll be like, yeah, I'm having a bad day because my roommate's annoying me. And he's like, were you stabbed nine times? No. Like, you're fine. Don't worry also, about it. Also, I, I can't believe he's only been stabbed nine times. Over four <laughs> movies, he's only been stabbed nine times? Well, that doesn't sound right to me. He wasn't stabbed in Scream 4, right? And he wasn't stabbed in Scream 3. So he was stabbed once in Scream, and then he was stabbed – I don't know how many times Mrs. Bitch-Ass Loomis stabbed him or Mickey, but did she – Mrs. Bitch-Ass. <laughs> I guess she stabbed him eight times because unless like Stu or Billy stabbed him more, but I think he was just stabbed in the back the one time in Scream, so. Yeah, you might be right. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is Dewey awkwardly texting Gail – not knowing what to say. We've all been there. We've all been there. When you're trying to reconnect with someone and you're just like, I sound stupid. Like, I don't know what to say. And Let me send a smiley face. Someone just got attacked and we might be murdered again, but I'm going to send a smiley face emoji anyway. This dude has like four hours before he's toast and he's like, smiley. <laughs> um, he he feels like that was inappropriate. He, he catches himself right after, but he already sent it. And um, I – didn't really think this before but my third time watching it I was like I feel like he ultimately goes to meet Sam at the twins house because he wants to make Gail proud because he really doesn't it doesn't seem like he is convinced on leaving and being a part of this until he texts her and I think that he 
once i think it would just be too much for it like if she came to town or something and saw his tr little trailer and you know compared to her who's she's like doing really well and she seems like she's doing great and then you know you go to your your ex comes over to your house and sees like this messy dirty sad you know trailer like that sucks you know yeah. and i feel like he just wanted to be himself again and he needed something to push him and once he texted her, he was like, okay, like, I'm going to go do this now. Yeah, I have to prove that I'm not just a piece of crap. Yeah, exactly. And then one of my other favorite, like, top five things that they did in this movie is when he arrives, they use Dewey's theme from yes. Spring 2. I noticed that because you told me that. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. It's just so good. It's so – I love when they give characters their own themes like that, and that very rarely happens in horror. Um, yeah. It's a very old-timey kind of, like – it's like in an old Hollywood movie when, like, the handsome guy appears, and it's like – Da -da 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 -da. Like, like, you know and I just loved it I was like I got emotional like I got teary-eyed when he appeared and he had like combed his hair and then we get into the Meeks house and we see Martha yay I was so happy to see her me too I love her Heather Matarazzo I, I was so happy to see her in the other movie and then when she showed up here I was like yes thank you and Tony was like I told you she was going to be in this one <laughs> did she really yeah she did that's so funny um, I mean, I guess it, it it does make sense that they would bring her back, you know. She's a great character actress, and she was, like, kind of big in the 90s, but I don't know if she ever really got, aside from Welcome to the Dollhouse, I don't know, like, how, if she really got the moment that she deserved, because I just find her to be really interesting, and um, she posted on her Twitter, I can't remember exactly what she posted, but it was something like, I didn't realize how loved I was, like, thank you for all the love. She said something like, oh, I didn't think I was, like, that big of a deal, <laughs> and you guys are so nice, and so, but it was just, like, very sweet. Yeah, I love, I've always loved her. I, she's, I agree with you, she's never gotten her due, you know? Yeah, so I love when she comes in, too, because she goes, ooh, suspects. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to see her and Randy's relationship. I know. They were probably so funny together. And hey, in my new universe of Scream, she could be in it with him. I want a prequel. I know I keep saying that. I want a freaking prequel so badly. I know, but they would they would all have to use like such crazy de-aging. Like, I don't know. Well, they could just use, yeah. I mean, it could be a few years before somehow. I don't know. And just use different people that look really a lot like them. Let's do a prequel of them in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> Billy in the sandbox beating up some kid. If that's the way it has to be, then whatever. Okay, fine. Uh, and it. of course, like my Randy loving heart squealed at the little shrine and the. Oh, I wanted like, to cry. I know. The animated design of it, of his face and everything, and the childhood picture. It was just so emotional because if you really think about it, it's like, it's kind of like we were talking about on the last episode we did, where it's like you know no one ever thinks about like randy's family like yep you know what i mean because it's all about sydney and i mean just think about like like i was even saying to you over text before like imagine when amber's parents got home like mm -hmm. not only did they lose their daughter they had no idea that she was fucking evil and she murdered all these people <laughs> and their house is like destroyed and like <laughs> well, why the hell did they buy stew's house this is their fault <laughs> thank you for getting to the real point <laughs> The real villain really? is the realtor. <laughs> please, please, bu burn the house down. Why is that house still standing? Like, how, how did they sell that house? How could? Because everybody in town knows what happened there. I know. It is a beautiful house, though. I bet they sold it for dirt cheap. I guess. And the, the parents were just like, you know what? We're just going to take a risk. It'll be fine. No ghosts. 
Okay, I didn't like when Martha goes to Dewey and she goes, you look... Mm. I really wanted her to say old. <laughs> First of all... Older? I don't know. Maybe I'm thirsty. <laughs> he looked great. I thought he looked hot. Like, I thought he looked... <laughs> he, I think he looks better now because I'm more into, like, the manly... Not, like, ugh, this is whatever. You like, like old men. Just admit it. You like okay. old men. First of all, excuse me. Excuse me. I yeah, but listen, the, the men that you like now are still the same men that you liked when you were 13. They were old at that time to, compared to us. I have taste. I'm and... not judging. I'm just calling you out. Okay, but listen, I don't like old men. I like older men that are hot. It's a Distinguished. Diff- difference. But I think he looks better now because I I just like men that are like more manlyish and he was so boyish and that's not my type. Like yes, I thought he was a good-looking guy, but like now he's like like he's been through some shit. Like I don't know, he's hot. I was just like, "Hi David." <laughs> I was just like, "I'm really not happy that you're married. Please call me." And his his Instagram and TikTok is so lovely. He goes on these walks every morning and he films like the birds and the trees and the sun and like he he'll just post it and be like, "Have a beautiful day everybody." And I'm like, "Oh my Aww. god, you're Did so you know sweet. that he's a Bob Ross certified painter, painting instructor? Um, yes. I think about it every day. <laughs> <laughs> that has to have something to do with it. Yeah, he taught the cast to paint. Is that what you read? Yes. Yeah, it's so cute. He's so like He's like harmless. Like, I don't know. He's like the cutest person. He's adorable. And in all the interviews for this movie, he like can't stop giggling. <laughs> He's so, so cute. cute. So I really like this whole scene. I think that this is a great scene. Um, it's a little on the nose with Mindy being like, now it's time for my big Randy speech. And she's so into it. But I really liked um, Jasmine Savoy Brown's performance. I thought she was really good in this scene. I thought this was her best scene. I just really like the whole kind of inspection of how these stab movies work. And you have the real person there. And then you have the super fans there. And then you have the more casual fans there that are like, wait, what the fuck is happening? And everyone's like, okay, you know, maybe you're the killer. Oh, no, maybe you're the killer. And then Wes, um, even though I love the character Wes, he kind of goes after Dewey a little bit. And he's like, yeah, like you left, your wife left you and you fell into a bottle like you've been through a lot how do we know you're not the killer and Dewey goes maybe you're the killer because that cut deep yeah (laughs) um I like that they all got together like that and they were like there was just so many of them that's what I liked about it was that you really didn't know you were like sure maybe you had suspicions about a person but like you know there's probably more than one killer yeah and I really the whole time I was like who who it would have made sense to me for it to be the twins because I would have been like, they're trying to avenge their uncle's death, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or it would have made sense for me for, for it to be Sam because she's trying, you know, maybe not just that she inherited the evil or whatever, but like she's trying to get back at Sydney because Sydney survived and it was Sydney's fault. Sydney killed Billy and Sydney killed Stu and it was her mother's fault and blah, blah, blah. So it would have made more sense as a motive to me for either the twins or for Sam to be the killer. No one has ever been blamed for more shit that she did not do than Sydney. I know. <laughs> She's just trying to live her life. All these people come after her and she doesn't do shit until they bother her and then she fucking murders the hell out of them. But they deserve it. Yes, I agree with you. I could have seen it being the twins, but I like that it wasn't. And when this scene was happening my thought and i was obviously wrong was one of these people is the killer and the other killer is somebody else mm-hmm. 
obviously I was wrong, but it was just hard to imagine. Like, this scene was really well written, and as opposed to some of the other parts of the movie that I don't really feel that way about. And I thought it was cool because I couldn't imagine two of those people in that room being the killer. You know, it was hard for me to to see that. So yeah. I thought that was good. And I love that she's talking about how fans are like, God forbid you mess with someone's favorite franchise. And it's like, I'm that fan. Like, I'm the <laughs> like, I was like, sit, I mean, I'm not going to murder anybody. So you're like, the killer. I'm the killer. And oh, boy. I'm also hungry. Um, so <laughs> it's like. I'm always hungry. Yeah. I was like. It's funny how when I first saw this, I was like picking the whole thing apart and I was like, why didn't they do this? And why didn't they do that? And I still feel that way. Like we're still being critical of it right now. But I just think it's funny how like everything she said was so true and how she brought up, you know, you can't just fully reboot something anymore. And she brought up all these reboots that have come out recently that have done bad, like the Child's Play with Aubrey Plaza and the new Black Christmas and a lot of other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but it's true. Like a lot of these horror remakes just come and go so quickly at the box office. They don't even do anything because everyone's like, we have this movie already. Like do something that really pulls us in or we're just not interested. And that's one of the things that pissed off Richie and Amber so much is like they put so much stock into this movie. Like they think Stab is so amazing and original and perfect and great. And they're literally so angry that all these other filmmakers have done a shit job at it that they're like, it's our turn. I remembered what I was going to say. I had never heard of the word requel before this movie. Me either. I did not know that that was a thing. Is that a thing or did they just make that up? (laughs) I think they made it up because remember in um, Scream 4 when Charlie says this one is less of a shriekel and more of a scream make. Yeah. I also never had heard of that before. <laughs> Have you heard of it since? No. <laughs> so I yeah. think that they made them all these up, but I'm not I mean, 100% sure. Requel makes sense. Reboot and sequel. Yeah, but I feel like if they hadn't made it up, because I am super into the Halloween franchise and that's exactly what it is, it, it is a requel, I feel like I would have heard somebody because I've heard so much like criticism, discourse, hour long YouTube videos about the new Halloween movies. Like I've been deep into it since it came out. So um, I think I would have heard requel. So I, I'm guessing that they made that up. That's exactly why I asked you. I figured <laughs> if anyone had heard of it, it would have been you. Thanks. Um, so then we get uh, – th- oh, I thought it was funny when Mindy was like – Mindy's obviously wrong about Wes because – He's the next to die or well, first Judy. But, um, you know, she goes, nobody cares about the shitty inferior sequels. Like, you're fine. You're not going to die. But me and my brother, we're fucked. And it's actually the opposite. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. So then we get another Billy scene. Um, Sam is driving and he appears in her rearview mirror and he's very vicious, you know. And he's like all excited that, oh, Sam gets to kill somebody now because like there's actually somebody that deserves to die. <laughs> so like Billy is like egging her on. And she almost gets in a crash. And then we arrive to what I find to be a absolutely great sequence. Yes, I have some problems with it. But I think that this whole sequence at the Hicks house, from the time that we see Judy pouring her wine and calling the sushi place and everything until Wes dies, I think the whole sequence is brilliant. What did you think of it? I loved it. It also made me really sad and curious. Who is his dad? Did they, they never said anything about it, did they? 
No, and I, I think it's interesting because he is obviously older than Scream 4, so, like, Judy was hitting on Dewey, and, like, where was the dad? I don't know. Yeah. Like, was and, she a single mom? And where is he now? Yeah. And, and but it made me sad because it, it does seem like she's a single mom in this movie. Obviously, she has to be because they both got murdered. No one mm-hmm. came forward saying, these are my this is my family yeah. but um it made me sad because he was getting he had no idea she was dead on the sidewalk outside and he was getting everything ready in the kitchen he was getting the plates and he got the the chopsticks and and i was like they must do this all the time this is probably like a, a like a weekly thing for them to like have sushi yep. together so sad it was great characterization it was yeah. great it was it was what I wish some of the other characters were like it was uh, just you just got the feeling for who they were as mother and son right, right away like you understood it and it was it was truly a horror sequence because it was horrifying to know that she's dead outside and he has no idea and he's just going about his business and um, there was that little nod to Scream 4 where she says like she puts the note well he finds the note yeah that's like there's lemon squares in the fridge and oh my god but- lemon squares taste like ass the only thing i didn't like was that like okay i didn't like that when she ran back up to the house she didn't have a gun because she's the freaking sheriff and she she was going into a situation where she knew someone was trying to murder her son like there's no way that girl would not grab or that woman would not grab her gun like she was in her cop car where is it she's the sheriff i don't know um But I guess you could say, oh, she was a mom and she's frantic and she's just panicked and she didn't even think. But, I mean, what did she expect? Like, say he hadn't gotten her at the front door. Like, if she had ran in and he was, like, standing there above West with a knife, what was she going to do? Like, she needed her gun. Why didn't she bring her gun? So that I'm always me. thinking that about these movies. Where is your gun? Where is your gun? Why don't you have a gun? And it really annoyed me because Wes was so obsessed with having his taser and everything and I'm like you're really not you're gonna leave it by the front door like like I don't expect you to have it in the shower with you but at least keep it in the bathroom with you what the hell's wrong with you what's the point of having it if it's not with you these movies make me want to go buy like seven guns one for under my bed one for my bedside table one for the bathroom one for the kitchen I literally I told we went out to um a brewery after because we had groupons and um and I was like we need to talk about our security yeah. We need to have a talk. <laughs> and we didn't, but I would like to. I was like, I, I want to learn to shoot guns. I want to learn to, you know, I want to learn to be good at archery. She wants to do like throwing knives and axes and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, we need to learn self-defense and be really good at it. And I've thought this for a really long time about myself personally because of the show I used to watch. But like every time I watch these movies, I'm like, where is your gun? Why don't you have a bulletproof vest? Why don't you this? Why don't you that? If I was this person, I would be like 100% trained in every possible like Krav Maga and karate and everything that could possibly be used in self-defense. I would be into all of that. Like I would weight lift and everything. I'm with you. I actually have my apartment pretty strategically protected and I will not say how. Um, (laughs) But part of the reason is movies like this, to be honest. Yeah. I Actually, it's so funny. I came home the other day after seeing this movie and watching the other ones like a million times just this week alone and my kitchen door was open. My kitchen door is one of the doors that like you can get into the house and I was like, oh my God, like it was just open and it was because my roommate had literally just walked in the door and was 
about to like she just was like putting her stuff down but for a second all I saw was in a crack open door and then I heard something inside and I was like I am so fucking ready for this I have been <laughs> ready for this since 1996 I am so fucking ready for this <laughs> I was like fuck you and then I just see you know my harmless nice roommate and I'm like oh I thought you were a ghost face whatever damn it um <laughs> I was hoping this was gonna be my chance to prove myself <laughs> So, okay, she's going to pick up the sushi and she gets the call from Ghostface and he's like, hi, Judy. <laughs> I thought that was weird. And he did that twice. I was like, why? Yeah, her, it's a pretty normal name, Judy. Like, just stop. I feel like that was Amber on the phone because she's such an annoying, like, oh, bitch. I hate, her. I hate her. She gets a pretty typical scream kill, you know, but it was crazy i thought it, i found it really scary and i actually did find the opening scene with tara scary i didn't the first time but when i watched it in the theater last night not like the whole scene but when he actually like comes up behind her and stabs her like that and gets her and she's like on the floor and she's crawling like i actually was like this is scary like this is scary <laughs> like, <laughs> and i did think this scene was scary too how she's it's broad daylight she's right on the front of her porch there yeah. ha- like there's people around like this is a apparently bold- not there's never anybody around Woodsboro only has like 20 people living in it clearly well right when she, well, she was driving back though there was like people on the street and everything they put extras there so I was like okay I guess she just lives in this barrier of sound and energy <laughs> um it was just so sad because I loved her character and I felt like her character didn't get to be the real her in this movie at all and like I just yeah. wish that there would have been a little bit even like one joke or one cute thing that she said or something, you know, it just didn't seem like, like I felt like with her son, just by the way she talked to Dewey alone, like I would have thought with her son, she would have some goofy like nickname for him or she would still call him like, I don't know, some cutesy, you know, like you're my little bear or something. I don't know, like something like, you know what I mean? Like it (laughs) just didn't seem. Well, maybe she was disturbed by the events of Scream 4 and like almost dying and everybody else dying and maybe it just changed her. Wear the vest, save your chest. (laughs) I don't know, but she was so young and like she's an ingenue in Scream 4 and then now she's just not because she's the sheriff and she's seen some shit. Are you defending these writers? You just want to be in the next one. Maybe I am the writer. Um, oop, twist. So yeah, so this, I love the way they did this, you know, it's kind of like a psycho reference because he's in the shower and then he doesn't get killed in the shower and he gets out and he's just walking around the house and every door that he opens, you think it's going to be Ghostface. Every time he turns around, you think it's going to be Ghostface and it's never Ghostface until it is and this is one of the best and most brutal kills in the entire series. I could not believe this shit. Oh God, I I literally couldn't even watch it. I had to, I had to cover my eyes a little bit. I because I'm really not – I'm not a gore person. I just couldn't. I couldn't watch it. I know. It's funny. I'm not either. And people are always like – think that's weird that I love these movies so much. But it's really not about that for me. It's about the story. Yeah. Um, but this was truly unique. And not just for this series but for other series because he stabs or she stabs him in the neck and just holds it there. And that's very rare that someone holds a knife like that and actually like stays with the person so closely while they're dying. Mm. It was just so brutal and so sick. Like you could tell that whoever was behind that mask truly was enjoying this and was taking their time. It was weird because they had to have known that Judy sent out an APB or something while she was in the car. Like they did not have a lot of time. They should have been getting the fuck out, but they were like, no, I'm st- I'm going to stand here and enjoy this. And they literally just waited for him to die. They were like, okay, we're just going to like, and the camera makes you watch it. You have to sit here 
on this one shot and just watch this this harmless sweet kid just die and it was so sick i was like upset um the two things that annoyed me about that scene were when judy was driving back to the house and she gets out i'm like keep your siren on keep the truck siren on because that way your neighbors are going to know something's wrong why would you turn it off and that way your son's going to know something's wrong if she left the siren on he would have known immediately that something was wrong good point i didn't even think of that but that is so true And then the other thing is he sees the door, the front door, that it's ajar. And he just closes it. He just closes it and locks it. Why would you not look outside? And you you thought it might be your mom. So you open the door and see if she's out there because she was. Ugh, what an idiot. The thing is he just closes it and I would have been like, okay, the door's open. Somebody came in from the outside. I'm going to go outside. That's always what I think in these movies is that like anytime somebody like shuts a door because it randomly opened or whatever, I'm like, well, clearly the killer's already in the house. So now you just shut yourself in with them. <laughs> yeah. It makes me so mad. And I saw in one of the interviews, David Arquette, they were asking, what's your advice for surviving one of these movies? And he goes, run. He's like, people never run in these movies. Like <laughs> run, just keep running, just go. And I'm like, that is such a good point because first of all, it's hard for somebody to catch you and stab you with a knife if you're running. Second of all, if they have a gun, I read in some survival thing that I read, if you're being chased by somebody with a gun, you're supposed to run in like a staggered way. Zigzags. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard for somebody. They would have to be a really good shot yeah. to, to shoot you like that. So that's like such good advice. Literally, like nobody ever runs. That's why I think it's so heartbreaking in the very first scene of the very first movie because Drew Barrymore is running for her life, literally. Like she's she's really trying and she doesn't make it and it's so devastating. But that's why I love chase scenes and I wish that there had been one, like a really good chase scene in this one. Although this... This wasn't a chase scene, but I did like that it was a more drawn out, the killer's there, but we don't know where, and you know, like all that kind of stuff I liked a little bit better than some of the other scenes. Yeah, and then just like, I'm going to stab you on your front sidewalk. Mm -hmm. I need another drum roll, please, because Gail arrives in her red head to toe. We love Santa Gail. (laughs) She looks amazing. (laughs) She looks amazing, and the first person she sees is not Dwight. It's – oh, and did you notice in the trailer when he's, like, all nervous and he goes, come on, Dwight, get it together? Yes, I did. I absolutely did. Mm. My name is Dwight. <laughs> um, I think I feel like you've texted me that, like, a hundred times during I our, definitely <laughs> have. <laughs> so, yeah, we see Gail. She's back, and she talks to Sam for a little bit, but – that's irrelevant she goes over to dewey (laughs) and i mean this scene first of all they obviously if you i mean most people listening have to know this they were dating on the first scream they were engaged scream two they were married scream three they were having problems scream four they then divorced they still you know co-parent their child so they see each other all the time Mm -hmm. but i know for a fact that they really tried they broke up and they were separated for a while and they actually it's really weird they were kind of public about it because David Arquette was a frequent guest on Howard Stern and he even got Courtney to come on and one time she just came on and said like a few words or something and then one of the other times she like did a full interview and they were both like yeah we're trying we're separated right now but hopefully we can work it out and we can get back together and I feel like there was a couple years there where they really they weren't going for the divorce they were like let's see if we can do this 
And now they're both remarried to other people and they seem really happy with them on social media. Blah, 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 get back together. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, you could just tell. I mean, could you not tell that this was real emotion? This was not just acting? Like, do you agree? I do agree. And I, I, I was thinking that. I was thinking like, I feel like it must be difficult emotionally on some level, at least for them to be in this movie together, especially with the storyline, because the storyline follows their real life almost. And it's it must be crazy to be, you know, 25 years after the original right back here and like think about who you were when you met and where you were in life when you met everything that you did since then. And people again, like I saw an interview where people were asking, like, what does it mean to you all these years later? And David, I was like, I the most important thing in my life is my daughter. I wouldn't have my daughter without this movie like that alone is tell just to tell you what it means you know and I'm like oh my fucking god Um, so so this scene is so emotional and let me just get this straight okay so here's what happened let's break this down okay Dewey and Gail were married and living together in Woodsboro this is what we saw and they were maybe a little bit distant in Scream 4 and then at the end or not the end, when Gail is stabbed and Dewey takes her to the hospital, he's like, this is it, you and me, like, Um, (laughs) I'm not okay, I need something. And so then Gail gets an opportunity in New York that she couldn't pass up to host Mm -hmm. this show. And Dewey says that he'll move with her and, and he moves with her to New York. So he gives up his small town Woodsboro life and we all know this was their constant conflict He's just a normal guy. He doesn't want fame. He doesn't care about money. He doesn't care about anything that that she's into. (laughs) And he calls her out on it all the time. He's like, you know, oh, this will make great content for your next book, which he even says in this movie. Like, this whole scene was basically ripped from Scream 2. Yeah. Um, And so apparently he was there with her for two months, and he left in the middle of the night. Now, look – I love him, but fuck that. It doesn't seem like something he would do. It doesn't seem like something he would do. And he says, I couldn't hack it. And then she says, why didn't you say that? It would have made a difference. And honestly, like, I'm not going to get too personal, but like some of this shit I feel like is my, I've had something like this kind of happen where I was like, why can't you just say these things until it's too late and then you come back months later and you're like oh didn't you know this is how I felt and I'm like no because I'm not like I can't read your thoughts so I really like that line because I feel like that happens a lot in relationships like people think that things are understood and they're not and it it, yeah that happens to me in my relationship all the time like right now Like, it's literally happening, like, every day. Let's get her on the mic. Um, We're constantly arguing. Like, anytime we argue, that's what we talk about. Like, well, I I thought you understood that this and this and that. And and then she'll be like, well, I'm not a mind reader. There's – I think that we all want to feel like we don't have to say certain things. But I think even the strongest couples need reassurance. And even the happiest couples need to hear, like – look, I love you and I'm here for you no matter what. And the person might be like, oh, I know. Like, it's, I know you don't have to say that. But it's like, no, it actually really helps yeah, to say it. you do it. have to say it. You do have to say it. And um, he calls himself a coward. And I do love that he completely owns up to it. And he's like, here's what happened. I did this and that was wrong. And he says he's a coward. And I thought it was really big of her to say you're a lot of things, but you're not a coward. Because leaving in the middle of the night, sneaking out, that is cowardly. 
Yeah. You know, like you can't even just tell her to her face in the morning, like, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I need to have my old life back. And it's more important to me than you. Like, ultimately, he chose Woodsboro. And what does he even have? Like, he fucked up and he didn't have the courage to go back there and make it right or just call her or what, or work it out somehow. Like, that is really devastating. And they don't resolve it because at the end of the conversation, she says, I'm really sorry about Judy. And he goes, me too. And he goes, but it'll make a great chapter for your book. And the scene ends. And that's the last time they ever see each other. Uh, what? I, what? I just, like, uh, he's still... <laughs> I know he's still so bitter like he's mad at her he's yeah. angry that like and it's so it's so tragic because they have real love for each other but they just can't make it work because they're so different and that happens all the time like we fall in love with people that we don't match with in any way shape or form but we love them and there's nothing <laughs> that we can do and that's why they will always come I mean not now um but they always would come back together because they have this passion and love for each other, but then they actually start living out what a life is like and they end up clashing and they end up going their separate ways because like they say in this scene, you were always meant to be in Woodsboro and you weren't. And I honestly really admire Gail as much as I love Dewey. I really admire her for not chasing after him and, and going back to Woodsboro. Like, yeah, you could call her money hungry, fame seeking, everything that he calls her, but She's always had her goals and she was always focused before she even met him. Like that was what she did. And she didn't want to sacrifice everything. Like she lived in Woodsboro for a while. Like she said, she nursed him back to health. She did the small town thing. She was really struggling to write another book. Like it was really hard for her. And just like he gave it two months in New York, she gave it years in Woodsboro. Like she really tried. But at the end of the day, like she can't sacrifice who she truly is inside all for a man. Like as much as we love Dewey, she couldn't just throw away all of that for him when it would have been perfectly reasonable. Like if she spent a few years in Woodsboro and when she didn't want to, like he couldn't have spent a few years in New York. Like it, it's kind of, I'm kind of like Dewey's a little fuckboyish. Yeah. I feel like that's why I felt like, If one of them had to die, it should have been Dewey because Sydney and Gail are both pretty successful, happy. Like they, they have lives. They have the lives they, they like. They, you know, they're happy with their lives, and they have, you know, like hopes, dreams, and families or whatever. Like respectively, obviously, Gail doesn't have much of a family, but you know, they have what they want and they're happy with it, mm -hmm. and they they're okay on their own, but. Dewey is not doing well. He's super messed up. I think he was really messed up from, from Tatum's death yeah. and everything that happened. He's super messed up from being injured. Now he's been asked to retire. He's living in a trailer. He's an alcoholic. He's still obsessed with his ex. Like he's not doing well. And, and like you said, they just don't work together. They, they work on an emotional level. They love each other so much, but logically it will never work because she is too big for Woodsboro and he doesn't want to leave. That's where he belongs. Mm -hmm. So if he, if somebody had to die, it should have been him because where was he going to go from there? 
one of them would have had to give up like what their core being is yeah you know and that just doesn't that's not okay because you don't want to ever feel like you've given up that like there's sacrifice and compromises in every relationship but you don't want to feel like you've literally given away a part of yourself to be with this person you have to have your own identity and if you don't you're just going to end up resenting the person anyway and then getting divorced anyway so unfortunately it was a tragic romance but at least they had 25 on and off years of something happiness passion whatever um I just wish it would have resolved better like I just wanted to hear them say I love you or I just wanted everything to be like cool with them because this scene ending on him giving her another jab like well you're just yep you'll write about you know this this woman who was my dear friend and colleague you're just gonna she's just gonna be fodder for your book now because you're trash and all you care about is you know what I mean like why did he have to fucking say that like He's admitting that he left her high and dry in the middle of the night. And he yeah, has now he's to, being an asshole. Why? He has to throw another insult on top. Like, what? Like if he hates her so much, why does he watch her every morning? Like, I get it. It's complicated. And, like, that's what human beings are. And they're full of contradictions. And, like, you know, like he probably hate watches it half the time. But, like, he looked really happy watching it, too. So, god damn it. This is, like... Yeah. Um... It hurt. Keep, it hurt. I keep forgetting the things I'm trying to say. I cried Something during like that. that. Oh, I cried. And I was like really annoyed with myself for not bringing tissues because I'm like, I'm going to get snot and tears all over my mask. And then what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I was Aww. very upset. I was really, really upset. And then, of course, in general scream fashion, they just moved right along. <sighs> I know. Like, nothing ever happened. I was so mad that he died after that because... They needed another scene. And I know that they, they keep saying, like, when the, the producers and directors are talking about it, they're like, well, we had to kill Dewey to get Sydney back. And I'm like, really? Because Sydney has two children. All you had to do was call her and say, we're going to kill your kids unless you come to Woodsboro. Yeah. Done. Or, like, I mean, I know they already did this in Scream 3, but why don't you take Dewey or Gale and hold them hostage and, like, you know what I mean? Maybe that would have been repetitive, but at least Dewey wouldn't be dead. Like, again, if you have to kill him, just resolve a few things first. Let him die, like, in some peace. Like, let him die. I mean, I guess he did He did protect Tara and, like, he saved Tara and that's what Sam points out to Gale and she's like, I should have told him she what does Gail say like I should have told him not to do that or whatever and she's like well if you if he hadn't done that my sister would be dead dead. yeah and you know if you have if one one out of those two people has to die obviously it would be Dewey because this young girl you know yeah um but then we have the scene where they have James and Chelsea from Dead Meat which I actually only recently started watching and I love it This is where they show the clip of Stab 8 because James and Chelsea play like a different reviewing people. I don't remember like different reviewing people. They play, (laughs) I don't know, like a version of themselves. I thought, oh my God, how awesome is that? Because I really related to that scene. Like even though Richie's the killer, when he's watching, you know, he just watched Stab and now he's watching two people on YouTube talk about it. I do that with every movie I see, especially (laughs) horror movies. Yes, you do. (laughs) I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly accurate. I just felt a sense of 
just such happiness for them because I feel like oh they're just fans not just I don't mean like that they're not talented and great in their own like I'm not saying they're just nerdy losers sitting at home in their mom's basement I get it that this is their job but like they're not like celebrities they're not big like actor celebrities yeah that you would expect to be in it exactly like they could have put a gag like they could have put some big celebrity in there but they put real youtubers and it just felt like wow one of us even though i don't freaking have a successful <laughs> youtube channel so like whatever they're i'm not even on their level but like it just felt like oh it's one of us like that ended up in the movie you know it kind of reminds me of kevin and demi exactly ending up in they hosted gilmore guys a podcast that started with like a hundred listeners and went over to like a million listeners and then they ended up having a, a a cameo in the Gilmore Girls revival and how could you ever have imagined that when you were starting that podcast that was one of the best moments of my life when I saw them and I I just like barked with excitement I was like I I'm so happy for them so fun like I'm happier for them than I would be for myself <laughs> isn't that so nice like it's such a good feeling to see because you're like oh wow you can just come from like nowhere and connect with these people that mean so much to you and this show that means so much to you or movie it's like really cool they're reviewing stab eight and there's a chrome ghost face with a flamethrower that was so ridiculous and that is played beautifully by matthew lillard yep a gripping (laughs) gripping and tragic portrayal of ghost face (laughs) his best yet um, and I just love that. What a good, what a fun day that must have been for him. <laughs> it's so absurd. <laughs> Whenever I see him again, I'm going to be like, please, like, just tell me every detail about that from beginning to end. Um, and we also get in the scene that Kirby is alive. They have the YouTube suggested on the side. And it's, it's again, it's perfectly accurate. It says, you know, interview with Kirby Reed, Survivor Woodsboro. And then there's another one that says, you know, is Stu Mocker alive? Is he really dead or whatever? And <laughs> There's about a million videos on that exact topic on YouTube right now. If anyone wants to go check, I dare you, you will find them. So I thought that was really cool um, as well. Like that was just a very, very true to life sequence. And it was like two seconds, but it was really well done. I was really irritated that I didn't catch that about Kirby because I was I did I talk about it on the last podcast or maybe I talked about it with you that I was like sad that Kirby or like that we didn't know if Kirby survived or not. Or it might have been Tony that I was talking to. Yeah, it's it's a very, I mean, that's one of the most common things in the fandom that's discussed is like, everybody is obsessed with Kirby. Everyone loves Kirby. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't actually see her die. She was still moving when the camera cut. And Wes himself, before he passed away, like he was asked about that around the time Scream 4 came out because she was always beloved. And he said, it's true. Like, we never see her stop moving. So I don't know. She could come back. I would lo- like, he personally said he would love to see her come back. So, you know, for Wes, like, let's get her, <laughs> let's get her back. But yeah, I really think that she has to be being one of these. I mean, no offense, but her career isn't exactly raging right now. So, like, yeah. th- these movies are doing so well. There's no way that she's going to say no. Like, there's no way. So then we get this um, devastating, tragic scene with Tara. Now you see that Dewey's fully in because Sam's like, oh, I have to go to the hospital because the cop that's supposed to be protecting my sister is here at the murder scene. And who's protecting my sister? And so um, Dewey's like all in. He's like, all right, let's fucking go. (laughs) Then we see Tara. She's watching 
this was very meta. She's watching yep. the Dawson's Creek episode that is framed around Scream. It's like an homage to Scream, and it's written by Kevin Williamson. And by the way, Scott Foley is in that episode, and he is Roman. <laughs> yeah, I read that too. That's so weird. It's just like layer on top of layer. Um, So I thought, and I love that episode of Dawson's Creek. That's a really good one. And also the um, the Scream episode of uh, Boy Meets World. Oh, God. That's everybody's favorite episode, like, of all time. It's so good. And then there was Sean. That's what it's called. <laughs> I didn't even know that's what it was called. That's funny. I've seen that episode, like, 20 times. 20 goddamn times? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could answer questions, like, accurately to not be murdered, though. There's a first time for everything. Why don't you give it a try? <laughs> I'd rather not. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Someone call her. It would be fun to have somebody call you, like, without having any intention of murdering you and just... <laughs> test you a little bit and you could see if you would survive um i kind of already went through that when we watched the ring together and then your mother called and i almost like died oh my god i'm sorry <laughs> it's not your fault it was her fault yeah she should not have called no it was totally your fault you made me watch things i didn't want to watch <laughs> i exposed gina to a lot of interesting things we used to play <laughs> scream in your pool and we would chase each other and then kill each other in the pool so that was cute normal normal yeah Okay, so we talked a lot about this sequence already um, with Tara in the hospital. You know, where the fuck is everybody? How is this even happening? Richie's forearm gets sliced just like Jill in Scream 4 and Derek in Scream 2. And That's when I knew. Really? Yes, and I told Tony that and she's like, I didn't even notice. And I was like, I always notice the forearm slices. That's (laughs) that's the thing. I mean, obviously it was was supposed to be the red herring for Derek, but... Well, when I saw it, I clocked that. I was like, oh, they're referencing the other movies. But I didn't think that didn't make me think that he was the killer anymore. I was just like, yeah, he's the killer. But I was also kind of wondering like, well, you know, maybe I'm supposed to think he's the killer. Like maybe they're doing this on purpose. Like, is it this obvious on purpose? You know, and I don't know. Tara is such a fighter. She's so, I mean, not to sound like an Oprah episode, but it's inspiring to watch somebody fight that hard for their life. There's not even a single moment where she's giving up at all. Like, she's just like, I got this. Fuck you. She's crawling like a centimeter at a time on the floor. And of course, the killer, Amber, she's just kind of slowly standing. Like, you know, if it was real, like if, if these people really wanted to kill, like they just break into sydney's house in the middle of the night shoot her when she's sleeping <laughs> you know what i mean I know. yeah no they like the theatrics they're very yes. dramatic yes they always blow it with their long speeches and you know sydney just has to hear their whole damn story you know what yeah, I they mean? have to call her every time it's like you don't want really want her dead you want the experience of stalking her and torturing her and like tricking yeah. her and killing her you don't just want her dead that's exactly it they want the experience okay then you know the worst thing ever happens and I like that he, that he goes, I have to go back and see who it is. And she goes, who cares? And he goes, I do. And I love that line. But there's no fucking way that this guy went from this morning, he wouldn't even talk to this girl to suddenly I'm going to go back <laughs> and take this guy's or girl's mask off. When honestly, like, I don't even think that he would have made the mistake again of shooting the killer in the chest only without the head. Like, <sighs> Literally at the end of Scream 3, like, Sydney is and Gail are screaming, head, head, shoot him in the head. Like, doesn't he have this memory of of almost, like, getting killed by Roman because he wasn't shooting him in the head? Like, I just don't believe that at this point. I just don't believe that at this point he would have been that stupid. And it was Amber. I mean, he. I'm sorry. He couldn't just 
knock her over. Are you kidding me? And when she's like holding the knife inside of him, he couldn't push her off. Are you kidding me? That pisses me off every single time I watch Scream 3 or Scream 4. In my notes, I was like, shoot them in the head. What is wrong with you? Shoot them in the head. Like if I'm ever in that kind of situation, that's going to be my first thought. Shoot them in the head. That's all you need to know. Shoot them in the head. What's so hard about it? Precisely. Uh, but I'm I did. not saying it's easy, but really, what's so hard about it? <laughs> One thing I did like about this sequence is that we actually saw Ghostface turn on the voice box stuck inside the mask because there's, you know, in like Scream 2 and stuff, we hear like that's the first time that we see the killer just like out in the open and they're they're like they sound like the killer. Yeah. And they have the mask on and you're like, oh, did they lodge that thing inside their mask? Apparently. Yeah. So then we have, you know, Gail, which I noticed they used a different take than in the trailer. Like I thought the trailer one was a little bit more intense. It was more angry. And the one that they showed in the movie was more emotionally. She was like more emotional and crying. And I thought it was weird that it's Sam and Richie, I guess, that hold back Gail when she's like running over to the body bag and i'm like let her fucking go over yeah, there. yeah let her like, go why wouldn't you let her go over there like she like first of all he's not just laying there bloody he's in the bag it's not like she's just gonna trip over his dead body like she wants to see and she's gail by the way she can handle it that kind of that was really irritating to me because i if that was me if i was gail i would have been fucking screaming bloody murder i would have been tearing my hair out you know like i, I would have been fucking devastated i know that she was like i'm not dumb but like after all that for him to not survive i would have fucking freaked out i know and i didn't think that sydney seemed that upset either she was like chill i mean maybe they're desensitized maybe that doesn't that makes sense that's fair but i actually really like because okay this is where sydney comes back and i really like sydney's performance here and i really like how she's written here i think that she should have been in it more but if i'm taking away that judgment and just saying like okay for what we have what is she like i really like her performance here because nev traditionally in all the other ones is very emotional like when she gets the calls like she has tears in her eyes when she sees somebody die she has tears in her eyes like you know she she'll she'll be like shaking her voice will be like shaking she's very emotional and she's so good at nev is so good at acting out those scenes mm-hmm. and in this one she was very controlled i mean the person that she cares about most i mean i'm sure like obviously her children and her husband but besides that like dewey is <laughs> kind of like the person that she's closest with throughout all of this and yeah she, she had him on speed dial she was the he was the only person besides her dad that that she had on speed dial yeah um that's how you know you really love someone that's the old-fashioned way of knowing that is her speed dial buddy and (laughs) she's just like she's i think she's so you're right like she's so used to this shit um but i really like the controlled performance in this one like she's very utilitarian she's just like okay every few years someone's gonna try to murder me and all my friends, and this time, instead of freaking out, I am just going to go take care of it. And I, I like that. I mean, she has given birth several times, so after giving birth, maybe she's just like, fuck all this. Like, I can I can whatever. Like, I can do whatever now. That's such a great point about women. <laughs> like, I feel like once women give birth, they're just like in a different Mindset. headspace. Yes. Yeah. So this is where we get some great lines, which, by the way, all these quips and stuff, like this would not be happening after your husband is brutally brutally murdered nope Uh, like you wouldn't be like hey watch your tone new girl you'd be like 
crouched in the corner. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, ugh, that's always just, bothered me. They just roll on forward with the movie. That's actually one thing I don't love about Kirby is that she seems not even bothered that Olivia, like they watched Olivia get gutted. Like it's not like she was stabbed and, you know, thrown over a door like Sarah in Scream 3. She was gutted in front of them. And Kirby's like, yeah, I'm going to Stabathon. Olivia would want me to have fun. I'm like, but how aren't you traumatized? <laughs> like, there's nothing. And then when she's at her house with Jill and everybody, like, you know, Jill's kind of like the center of it, just like she wants to be because she's Sydney's cousin and like they're all supposed to be protecting her. And Kirby's just like hooking up or she's trying to hook up with Charlie. Like she doesn't even really seem to care what's happening. And I, I think that she's a great character, but I don't like that part of her. And I don't like that part of some of these characters in in this like some of these movies just roll on like there's always a party yes that was what made me mad about this one is that the party supposedly was for Wes like it was a memorial for Wes it was clearly just a kegger come on yeah and who says oh this was supposed to be just an intimate is it Amber um she's like this is just supposed to be an intimate gathering like at least in Scream 4 it really was just a few friends but they had the stabathon right before that so like whatever they still had a huge event so yeah that I don't like that but she goes like you know Sydney is trying to persuade Sam to stay in town and fight with her and just let's just kill the killer because if you run he's gonna find you so like let's just kill him and Sam is like no I'm getting out of town and Gail goes, watch your tone, new girl. You know, <laughs> local how- woman. <laughs> Look, local woman. <laughs> um, you know how they always say it goes back to the original. Well, this is the original, and I was like, oh yes, I need this. <laughs> I was like, this is so good. Like, that I sounded very sexual. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I do oh yes, need I need this. <laughs> I-, <laughs> I didn't want to repeat you exactly because that was kind of creepy. That's not how I talked to my um. Lovers, yeah. ew. Um, I'm sorry. I just said the word. Only language. how you talk to your best friend. All right. <laughs> the most like sick things that we say are to our best friends that we would never hurt or do anything weird to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like I'm the killer. I'm going to murder you and things like that. Right. It's it's love. So, one of the best lines was when Sam said, "You want me to help you and the host of a morning show commit murder?" And Gail goes cracked, and Sydney goes yes at the same time. <laughs> They're that just like, good. yeah, <laughs> duh. They're like, yeah, they like, I, I just feel like once they kill Dewey, it's like, yeah, we're not, this is not happening. Like, we're getting this done tonight. This is over. Sam is like, hell to the no. I'm going to go with my boyfriend who I just trust so much. And <laughs> yeah, they get moving. And then Sydney's like, oh, I put a tracker on her car because it seemed like something Gail Weathers would do. And it is something Gail would do. <laughs> it just made sense because. You know, like I was saying, I don't believe that Dewey would have gone back, like gotten off the elevator and gone back to see that ghost face. Like at this point, these people are so – they have to be so smart about these things. Like they know how to get out of it because they have so many times. And it just makes sense. Like let's cut to right away. We're surveilling them because we don't even want to deal with this for another day. This is over tonight. Yeah. (laughs) For this, I just put four West party at Amber's. How can they party? (laughs) so ridiculous that really is i could see like i think that mindy and why can i never remember the other kid's name chad her brother his name's chad yeah that's the worst name (laughs) mindy and chad anyway mindy and chad seemed like they were well at first before mindy was like drunk chad seemed like he was genuinely upset yeah that was kind of it (laughs) 
I can understand like getting together with a few friends because you don't want to be alone like what they do in Scream 4 but not drinking and I would be like no no no. I want to stay alert in case the killer fucking comes I want to be able to get away so how did you feel about kind of the creepy scene with Mindy following Amber into the basement and being like why did you come down here alone like how do you know I'm not the killer all that stuff I'm gonna be completely honest with you and Tony agreed with me and this is before we knew that Mindy was not straight. We thought they were going to kiss. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like kind of sexy. Yeah. And then we found out that Mindy was not straight. And then I was like, damn it, why didn't they just kiss? <laughs> yeah, maybe they have hooked up before because it was just very suggestive, but not just suggestive in a killer way, like suggestive in a sex way. And then I thought Chad really got a great moment with Liv. They're making out and... They had established already that they have not had sex yet. She says, let's go upstairs. Like, I'm ready. And he's like, mm, I'm good because <laughs> you might be the killer. And I don't really want to be alone with you. I want to be here among everybody else. And I was like, wow, the only thing that can get a man to not immediately, like, pull his dick out is <laughs> this <laughs> this murder mystery. And he's right because, I mean, even though it's a fake out, when Sydney goes upstairs and has sex with Billy, like, the killer – comes in there because you know they're alone like nobody's there to interact into intercept or whatever and he was right he made the right decision even though he did end up getting stabbed but he survived so I think that um I think it was more than just he he thought she could be the killer though I felt like it was kind of like it was kind of like a timing thing like are you sure this is the right time to be doing this I was like this is why I think he survived because he didn't have sex <laughs> good point that's a yeah. that's very meta <laughs> uh-huh yeah. And just the fact that they even brought up, like, at the beginning, that they even brought up, like, oh, okay, they haven't had sex yet. It was very, you know, Sydney and Billy. Yeah. I really liked all the scenes with Mindy on the couch. Um, I, I thought it was kind of weird that she was so chill because I thought that she would be the one that was up and about and paying attention to everybody and, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But she just checks out at a certain point, and I thought her scenes were really good. And I liked when Chad was like, are you just going to sit here and watch a movie about her uncle getting stabbed? And she goes, it calms me down. And I feel <laughs> that you. way. Yes. Thank you. I'm so glad that you see that. Because <laughs> I stuff calms me that other people would be like, what the fuck? I, I feel comforted by watching stuff like this because it's just like my vibe. I don't know. I promise I'm not a killer. No, um, I understand that because Tony, I think, is the same way. A killer or? I hope not. <laughs> uh, no. She gets comforted by things like that. I think that uh, watching a horror movie would comfort her. Yeah, well, it's cathartic. Sure. I watched Cinderella, but, you know, whatever. I mean, Cinderella's, you know, it gets dark. <laughs> the original does. <laughs> so then they bring back this whole, like, find my fam request thing that they set up at the beginning where, of course, we know as soon as it pops up, he's like, oh, great. Like, she's accepting my request now or whatever. She's sending him Ugh. a request. And it obviously it's the killer. Come on, dude. Me and Tony were both like, no, don't fucking do it. And then he did it. And we were like, no. Like, really, dude? Are you kidding? Idiot. Um, and I thought it was funny, too, that Mindy, she's like, at least take a weapon. And he takes a candlestick. Like <laughs> Tony like, yelled at him for that. <laughs> it's literally like Clue. Yeah. So he gets attacked. Um, but the ghost face runs away, I guess, before finishing the job because Sam drives up. And Richie and Sam and Tara kind of break up the party and Richie's like, I'm saving your life. Get out of here. I'm saving your life. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he literally is. And 
so then Richie asks Mindy to go into the basement with him to get a beer. And I think he was going to kill her right then and there, but she declines. And at that point, I was still kind of like, is she the killer? I don't know. I didn't, I was like, I don't think someone with Randy's blood is the killer. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like, I don't, I don't buy that. So I really like this scene between Liv and Mindy. I thought this was like kind of what saved Liv's character because before that, she didn't really have a lot of characterization. But I was actually thinking she might be the killer for a minute. And I thought this scene was really well acted. She goes, I thought you said I was too boring to be the killer. Maybe that's the twist. And I was like, that's actually a great point because we've seen these killers before. You know, Mrs. Loomis, like she was pretending to be this reporter. Yeah, just like a regular like reporter local woman (laughs) (laughs) and she really had this psycho crazy eyes and this fiery passion for murdering sydney and look at jill who just pretends to be this like completely basic boring girl and she's just a regular high school girl and look what she turned out to be i was like maybe that's what they're doing they made live boring and not into an interesting character because she's actually a killer and then she's gonna flip and be like super interesting and super fascinating or weird or whatever but then I thought it was a little insensitive of her because she goes you know what eventually happens to the expert and she cuts her throat she does like the cutting throat motion yeah and I'm like ew you're standing five feet away from a shrine to her uncle who was the expert who got murdered I was like is is she trying to be like cruel that was just kind of an intense scene for me because I didn't know what was going on there you know it did seem like she was the killer in that scene and it was rude of her to do that especially you know considering everything that was going on but that's what they always do they just pretend nothing's happening there is no (laughs) killer on the loose nobody got there nobody got stabbed nobody got killed it's fine everything's fine i did love the stew's house thing like Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just the i want to say memorabilia that's not the word (laughs) um just bringing it back to stew's house made it so much more meaningful like like haunting kind of yeah if it had been done in any other place it wouldn't have felt so intense but because it was there where everything else had already happened and you're like oh my god sydney's gonna show up here gail's gonna show up here Mm -hmm. the place where all of this shit went down it's so i don't know it got me in the feels kind of i was like (laughs) not sad i don't know maybe i was sad well especially for sid and that house is in the middle of nowhere too it's not like people drive by there all the time and they're like oh yeah (laughs) remember that like she has not been around there and she's suddenly just faced with you know i mean i don't even know if it was the darkest scariest night of her life because she's had several of those now but yes it was very intense and i love that they used the house but i didn't like the way that they tried to hide it and then they reveal it when sydney tells her i'm like we know what house this is because you put it in the trailer but then we get this really really good scene i thought where mindy is watching the stab movie of randy almost getting stabbed and it's the famous scene from the original movie jamie kennedy is talking to jamie lee curtis who's playing Lori in halloween but he's calling her jamie and his real name is jamie but his character name is randy so you have to kind of know to know how silly it is that he's saying jamie look behind you as the killer is behind him and his name is jamie and now it's even more of a mind fuck because his niece is saying watch out come on dude and the killer's behind her and this time you know in that other scene randy doesn't get stabbed but in this scene mindy does get stabbed and once again all the women in this movie are amazing she's like really fighting 
him off and it's we know that it's Richie because he then runs away takes the costume off and comes back everybody comes into the room at once it's this very chaotic scene you know Amber's like you're the killer and oh my god what did you do to her and then Liv comes in with blood over her hands and she's like you're the fucking killer and they're like no you're the killer you're the killer and then she's like I'm not the killer and Amber's like I know and just shoots her in the head I was like oh fuck that was like that was intense. Brutal. Some of the other reveals, I've been like, oh my god, that's cool. And this one, I was just like, oh, okay. All right, it's Amber. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was just like, okay. And I knew there was a second killer. I figured that it was Richie. And my mom, too. Like, as soon as Richie stabbed uh, Sam, my mom was like, I knew it was him. I'm like, I know. He's a fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Tony said she knew when uh, Sid was shooting at all the doors and he was in the closet. That's she said she knew. I don't know. Well, was he on the phone with her or Amber? Because when Sydney picks up the phone, she goes, where'd you go? Because she already had had an interaction with Amber. But the killer on the phone says, no, I'm the other one. But wouldn't Mm -hmm. she have heard Richie through the door? So maybe it was just Amber fucking with her. And that's why Amber was gone because Amber was hiding and calling her. I don't know. We'll never know. Well, we will never know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you're welcome. I love that part, though, when she's on the phone and you're like, God damn it. Like, why? Why is he calling her now? I know. Like, Jesus. Enough. She just goes, I'm bored. And she just hangs up. And I'm like, yes, I love you. I know. I love that because it's so rare in these movies that someone just hangs up. And it's funny because that's one of the great powers of being on the phone is you can just hang up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Shh, don't tell. Don't tell. Because when you're in person, you know, you can't just dip. But like. <laughs> <laughs> you can if you run. Really quickly. But on the phone, you can just be like click. And I love that she finally did that. Like she finally did that. She was just like, fuck this. How like you know, and at this point, she's a 40 more than 40 year old woman and she's been through this so many times and she's really like do you think you dumb ass 17 year olds are going to fuck with me are you kidding me like you think you're gonna murder me in this house where i already killed everybody when i was your age no yeah fuck she's off. superhuman she's amazing stabbing her won't work shooting her won't work um <laughs> wow the rules are actually about sydney big reveal so <laughs> then okay i love when okay, wait okay First of all, I think it's really stupid when after Amber shoots Liv and she goes, welcome to act three. Like, I get it. You're so obsessed with movies. Like, so am I. We're supposed to be like sisters and you're pissing me off. <laughs> and then Richie tries to convince Sam that Tara is the other killer. Fuck you. And I love when she goes, she go, he goes, how well do you really know her? And she goes, I know her better than you. True. Hell yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, I love when she says, um... They figure out that she's gone and she's like, I untied her. Yeah. I guess you're not so slick, buddy. <laughs> A-hole. <laughs> buddy. <laughs> I don't think that was how she said it, but whatever. It would be funny if like they all started saying like really like tame insults to each other. <laughs> and they were like, okay, bucko. Like <laughs> Instead of like motherfucker, they're just like. All right, Johnny boy. (laughs) (laughs) And they just all start saying these really lame, like, what the heck are you doing in my house, sir? H-E double hockey sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
It's getting late, folks. Uh, we're tired. <laughs> so I love when Gail and Sydney arrive and they're just so ready. They're like, all right, let's go in. Even though Gail says, no, I'm not ready. But they're, they are ready. Like they, they got this. And then Amber comes out screaming and doing this fake performance of, she's like, oh my God, he stabbed me. Oh, I love that part though. Me too. And because they're so, like, Sydney and Gail have no, almost no reaction. They're not shaken. They're nothing. They're just like, okay. They're and like, then, fuck this dumb bitch. What the hell? Yeah. Sydney goes, she's like, what do you think? And, or something like that. And Gail goes, what did she say? She's like, she says, fake. She said, it's a trap. Yeah. She goes, trap. Yeah. And they know, like, right away. It's just so, it's just so great. And then. She got shot in the same place that she did last time. And it's like she barely even reacts. Like, <laughs> they've both just been through so much. She's sta- like, yeah, she's on the ground. But, like, she doesn't even seem that bothered by it. She's just like, go finish this. And then Sydney's like, no, like, you have to get to the hospital. And she's like, for Dewey. And Sid's like, you said the magic words, bitch. I'm ready. <laughs> and then Sydney just kind of, like, pauses and looks at the house before going in. And it's just like, Ugh. ugh. Exactly. And mm. they they play the um Sydney's lament lament. <laughs> How do you say that word? Lament. 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 <laughs> I'm so laminator. <laughs> Sydney loves her laminator. Okay. <laughs> Sydney loves her label makers. <laughs> Sydney loves her label maker. That is the hashtag of this podcast. <laughs> that sounds like like a Sydney's label maker. <laughs> it sounds like a babysitter's club book or something. Like <laughs> Sydney Claudia, and the laminator. Yeah, exactly. Um like uh, Claudia paints on Tuesdays or <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite babysitter's club book. So Sydney when Sydney walks in the door, uh Sydney's lament is playing and it's, you know, the <laughs> Now I can never say that word again. So Sydney gets out her label maker and beats <laughs> everyone up with it. <laughs> I'm just picturing her like having like a cabinet of knives and guns and stuff and like labeling them. <laughs> that would be actually really helpful because then you could label the killers and everyone would actually know who they were. There you go. So then he calls her and... When she says I'm bored, I love it because, like, you can tell that whether it's Richie or Amber, they're just loving it. They're talking to Sydney Prescott. This is their goal. They've got her to the house. They've done it. And now they're getting to taunt her on the phone, like, in all the movies. You could tell they're so into it. Ghostface says, you forgot the first rule of a stab movie. Never answer the... And then she's like, I'm bored. And he goes, wait! <laughs> <laughs> like, he's so upset that she's hanging up. And I'm like, you yeah, lose. fuck you. She is, like, shooting all the doors before she opens them. Very smart. Going to do that. so smart. Anytime I enter a room, I'm just going to shoot. Shoot it first. (laughs) Just to be safe. In today's world, in this economy. So In this economy? (laughs) She shoots Richie, and he's still, like, faking her out. He's like, I'm hiding from the murderers. I really liked the movie, but some of the stuff just was so not – it was not Wes. Like, it was just not what Wes or Kevin would have done, and it was bothering me. (laughs) I guess I kind of believed him, though. I don't know. It's hard. Once you know who the killer is, it's hard to, like, think back of when you didn't. 
you know, like when you know for sure, because this is before he's revealed. So I don't know. I guess there's still some speculation. That's why I want to watch it again so badly, because the way that I just had rewatched everything, like I've done it with Scream before, but this time when I rewatched everything, two, three, and four, I watched The Killers. Like I told you, I, yeah. I watched them to see closely. Yeah, what they were doing and their reactions to things. And. I, I really, really want to do that with this movie now that I know who it is. Very, I feel like their performances are very controlled. Like, there's not a lot. I mean, maybe you'll catch more than I did. But, like, I didn't feel like, when I was watching it back, I didn't feel like, oh, my God, you can see it in their eyes. I was just like, oh, they're like acting. with Debbie Salt. Local woman. <laughs> Local woman was very guilty. If you knew it was her, you'd know it was her. This is where I wrote, I hate how the killers keep saying, babe, baby, hun. <laughs> like you, you already uh. brought up at the beginning. Sydney, so Ghostface attacks Sydney. She falls off the railing from the top of the stairs and just hits the floor so hard. And like my mom, we've watched every horror movie together and she very rarely cringes, but she literally like grabbed her head when that happened. She was like, <laughs> oh my God. And I was like, Sydney didn't even notice that. Like, she's fine. <laughs> like, she's been through so much worse. She's fine. But, you know, she does seem a little, like, out of it. And she's like, Richie, come on. And he's like, well, sorry, you shot me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> shut up, you fucking murderer. Grab the knife. And um, or the gun. Yeah. Yeah, it's the gun at that point. Um, And so then he just kind of, like, out of nowhere stabs Sam at and he completely changes and i don't like i said before i don't really like his i'm crazy acting and i do not like amber's either no, he's not good at it no they both were too they both were too much like ha ha ha, ha we are crazy villains <laughs> i'm gonna stab you oh my god this is so fun ha 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 we did it babe honey buns we did it like i'm like calm down honey buns <laughs> honey buns <laughs> Like I said, they're just going to start saying really inoffensive things. My cat is so annoyed by me right now. <laughs> Sam says to him, this isn't a fucking movie, which is what Sydney says to the killer in Scream 4. So they get into their motive, which is they only made one really good stab movie. The rest of them sucked. There's been seven more of them. And... They truly love this franchise and they don't want to let it die. Everyone's making fun of Stab 8 because, you know, it had the flamethrower and all that kind of stupid shit and it's become a joke and they're offended by that because they're like, this movie means a, a lot to us and we care about it really deeply and like we want to make sure another good one gets made and if people have to die for that, then who cares because it's going to create a great movie and they just get off so hard on, oh my God, Sydney's here. And I actually, I really like the moment where he says, you know, I'm a really big fan. And because he is, you know, and <laughs> she goes, she just goes, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I loved it because she's so over, like, again, like, she's just so over these idiots, you know, because in Scream 4, too, it wasn't the same motive, but it was related, you know, because Jill and Charlie love the stab movies and it was more of a personal experience for jill but also she had no way of really knowing everything that went down unless she watched it in the movie because it's not like sydney was gonna sit down with her when she was like six and tell her the whole yeah. story so it's like she kind of got to know her cousin through the movies and everything so i felt like it was kind of like it was like jill and charlie but a much weaker motive for me 
However, Such a weak motive. I hate it. I hate the You motives. hate it. Okay. It, it did make sense to me, kind of, but did you also feel like this whole thing was really rushed at the end? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that the in the original Scream, the house party scene was much more drawn out. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so stupid to compare it because it's so good. But Stu and, I mean, Matt and uh, Skeet Ulrich did such a brilliant job of being genuinely scary at, in that scene. Like, what the fuck is wrong with these people, right? Also funny at the same time. Funny in a goofy way because of Matt, but also funny because they're these two young guys who think that they have this master plan together, but then they... You could tell there's some tension between them and they start stabbing each other and they start snapping at each other and like all that kind of stuff just feels so real. Like I love when Matt or Stu is like, oh, you know, Houston, we have a problem. And Billy's mm-hmm. like so fed up and he's like, what? And like <laughs> He's like, why did I pick this bumbling buffoon as my accomplice? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you just you feel the history between these friends. You feel the realness of what they're doing even though Stu doesn't even have a motive but you get it you buy what he's saying like you're in it it's so real and this one just felt like I said saying before just like ha 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 we're the killers we're so crazy right babe like it was just like (laughs) they just annoyed me like I didn't want to hear anything else from them whereas like Billy and Stu I feel like I could have sat there for 10 more minutes and just watch them interact and talk to Sydney and like taunt her and all of that shit. I feel like turning it on right now. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. good, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like they were kind of supposed to be like Mickey, almost. He was compelling. Like, I think it's, I think it is compelling in a dark way to think of someone who wants to be famous the way Jeffrey Dahmer is famous, the way Ted Bundy is famous. Yes, I could see somebody with a sick mind thinking that it was, it's cool to be known as that. Like, I, I understand Mickey's motive 10 times more than this one. Yeah, it was about the fame and the notoriety, but these people are just like, we want another movie? So when me and Tony were talking about it, I was like, why don't they just go kidnap like a film producer (laughs) and make them make the movie the right way? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, Yeah. or why don't they write their own script and like take it to someone and say, if you don't make this, we're going to kill you, you know? (laughs) Yeah, because they're not that talented. No, and they want to have fun with Sydney and they want to feel like they're big, crazy, scary killers who nailed Sydney Prescott and some finally killed her. Richie says something that I think is kind of important to remember where he says, fandom can't be toxic because it's about love. And that's the classic abusive boyfriend line of like, yep. I just love you so much, babe. That's why I hit you because I was just so worked up. I hit you because I actually love you. Like, I love you so much. It had very much that vibe, which just made me hate him more. And then Amber brings in Gail. Richie tells Sam he's framing her. You know, she's Billy Loomis's daughter. It's perfect. She snapped, blah, blah, blah. Again, I hated Amber's performance here where she's like, you can't have Halloween without Jamie Lee. Like, uh, <laughs> every, uh. every single line she said was just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, it was just like, all right, like, cool. Um, subtlety, you should look it up. So... Then she says, Dewey had to die because the movie had to have stakes, which is what so many fans were saying. Like, you know, like it has to, it's not real unless one of them dies. And he, okay, so 
Richie stabs Sydney. How dare you? And it seemed like she was stabbed in a similar place to where Jill stabbed her too. Gail's like, stay with me, Sid. And I was like, oh my God, Gail's bleeding out. Sydney's bleeding out. Let's let's go. We need to, something <laughs> needs to happen here. What's ha- going to happen? Oh, I liked when Richie says to Sam, you really should have listened to Dewey. Like he had to be pegged from scene one. You know what I yep. mean? <laughs> and he's right. You know, she should have listened to him. This is like where this gets good to me. He thinks he convinced her that Tara's the second killer. So he thinks that Tara's still tied up in the closet. But Tara isn't. The phone rings. I think it's like Sam or Sydney says like, oh, that call is for you. But they don't pick it up. Yeah. Should I let the machine get it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I can already see that I'm going to watch that again tomorrow. It's inevitable. (laughs) So the phone rings. Amber's like, yeah, I can't find her. And then as as she's saying that, her ass gets beat by Tara, who basically, how can she even stand? But that's another story. I don't know. It's only been like, what, three days maybe <laughs> since she was attacked. And now all of a sudden she's she can fight. Yeah, but she was attacked again earlier that day when with Dewey. D- Dewey died that day. Ugh. Like this all happened in such a short pa- span of time. And her hand is obviously not healing. No, and I, I mean, I don't know how she manages to beat Amber's ass, but maybe it's adrenaline. You know how they say, like, a mother could pick a car up off of her yes. kid? That's what it is. Amber is trying to kill Sydney, and then Sydney smashes hand sanitizer on her. And she's like, hand sanitizer? And I was like, oh my god, this is for me. <laughs> Gina has some germophobic tendencies. Um, That's a very nice, polite way of saying it. <laughs> don't touch her um (laughs) please please don't so i mean don't touch anyone anyway like just you know without permission yeah yeah. i love this part so sydney smashes the hand sanitizer on her and then gail and sydney pick her up by her hands and feet and (laughs) throw her over the kitchen island it was i could like literally if i found out that i was dying like in five minutes, I would be like, I just want to watch them do that over and over again on the <laughs> until I leave this earth. Okay. Like it was the epitome of girl power, woman power, like, fuck you. Like, how dare you? And then I thought it was interesting. Um, Amber does something twice here that I've never seen any other scream killer do where all of a sudden she's like, no, 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 please. I like, I didn't mean it. You know, I, I'm innocent. I was radicalized. And I was like, Ugh. did you like that? Or like, because it was different? Uh, I I didn't dislike it. I just hated Amber so much. I was just like, it made me feel bad. I was like, I, I was going back and forth between should they kill her or, or should they, you know, because you're really not supposed to kill the killer because then how are they going to confess to whatever, you know, all the shit they did. Right. At the same time, I was like, don't listen to her. Kill that bitch. Shoot her right in the head. Just shoot her in the head. I hate her. <laughs> Yeah, and I thought it was funny how she looked like when she was saying that because she was like covered in hand sanitizer. Yeah, like the gel. Whoever the makeup was, they because they couldn't have used real hand sanitizer because like it's, you know, alcohol and stuff. Probably, so, probably wouldn't have like shown up as well. Yeah, they must have used like clear jelly or something like and glued it to her face because it was really like on there. It was KY jelly. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> it does look like that. Wow. After she says that, Gail says another perfect line. You killed my best friend, and then Gail just socks her in the face. <laughs> and I was like, it's another parallel because Sydney, you know, 
yep. punched Gail in the face. And here we are all these years later. Gail and Sydney are on the same team. They would freaking die for each other now. They're fighting yeah. with with each other against the enemy. And I just, again, like I, I talked about it in our last episode, Gail's development, just the overall, oh, just the, just the power of it. And then Amber gets back up. She's choking Gail. She's on top of her and she's just like loving it. She's like so happy. She's like, I can't believe I get to kill you both. Like, oh my God, like she's so happy. Yeah, this tiny little girl choking out like a 45-year-old or 50-year-old. <laughs> and she goes, time to pass the torch. <laughs> like in her annoying like acting tone. In her stew voice. And then Gail headbutts her onto the <laughs> stove. It's fucking great. I loved it. I loved it. And Amber catches on fire. That was nuts. I did like that because I felt like that was kind of like stab eight with the fire. You know what it exactly was? Did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I did not. Okay. First of all, holy shit. You need to watch that movie. Um. I won't I won't say what happens in that movie then because it's really good. I want you to I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's it references something from that is all I'll say. Gail says, Do you want to do the honors? And Sydney's like, This one's yours. And again, she's like, No, 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 please. And sh- and Gail just goes, Fuck you, and kills her. I was like, Ugh, or it doesn't kill her, thinks that Or she not. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, oh my God, it was so good. And it was very again, it was a parallel with Scream. She doesn't actually shoot because the safety's yeah. on. But then she comes back and shoots. So I guess the safety wasn't on that time, you dipshits. <laughs> so <laughs> Sam bursts out of the closet like Sydney from the first one mm-hmm. and attacks Richie. They fall down the stairs. And this is when Sam is crawling on the floor and she sees Billy staring at her in the mirror. And he like gestures to the knife. Again, it's like so interesting seeing Billy like as a father, <laughs> like helping out, you yeah. know? And so we have this line. That I feel like it's supposed to be more epic than it felt. Never fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. And then she stabs him through the face. Uh, again, another stab through the face. <laughs> they are really... I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch that part. Well, did you did you watch what happened after? Because she went to... Yeah, yeah. Town. I mean, like, when I say I can't watch it, I, I mean, like, I had to cover up the part where you could see the knife going through their skin. Like... I I see like everything else. I just I can't look at that specific area of the screen. So what do you think about how buck wild she went? I, I mean, loved it. Me too. I loved it because when you're that, I, didn't we say this before? Like if if it was me, I wouldn't just like shoot this person once and then be done with it. I would have been so angry. I would have wanted revenge kind of just been like you know you're not gonna fucking do this again i need to show you that what you did was not okay and i'm gonna stab you 25 times to show you that you're a fucking asshole i've thought about that before like if i you know watching these movies i don't just like think about it but like watching these movies i'm (laughs) like the other day when i was thinking about stabbing people um (laughs) like i do every day (laughs) but when i'm watching these i'm like well what if it really came down to this what if it was me or this other person that wanted to kill me and i had to kill them what would how would i kill them what would i do would I just like stab them right in the heart or cut their throat? I'm like, oh, no, that's gross. Like, I don't want to do that. But then I'm like, well, it's one way to make sure that <laughs> no one survives that. But I don't know. It's like fucked up to think about because I don't want to think about it. But like, I also at the same time, I 
you know, it's interesting to think about. I don't know. But do you think that it was kind of implying that she, because I don't, I don't want to say she enjoyed it, but like she didn't not enjoy it. So do you think that they're implying that she enjoys it? Like she maybe did have some of Billy's tendencies? Yeah. I don't know. Because when she gets up and she wipes the knife off. Oh, yeah. That was very, very Billy. Yeah, <laughs> she does it very ghost facey. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that necessarily means that she has killer in her. I think it means that she has, you know, maybe she has a little bit of like psycho anger in her. And that's all right. Like as long as you don't act on it. Right. Like it's okay. It's okay to be descended from someone who's crazy. It's okay to be crazy. It's okay to have to take antipsychotics to not see your the ghost of your dead father that you never met like in the mirror or whatever. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a murderer. It just means that you're a little bit different from everyone else. That was a very understanding perspective. <laughs> I'm a Pisces at heart, so. <laughs> you're okay. We're both Aries. That's why this is three and a half hours. But you're I'm half and half. You're almost a Pisces. I'm I really well, I'm a I'm an Aries sun and a Pisces moon, so. True. Then the killer comes back, but it's not Richie, it's Amber. And she has this crazy makeup on from the fire and everything. That was scary. I don't like burned things. No, dude, there's a picture of her floating around Twitter in the makeup chair and it's crazy oh god no thank you that's like final destination when anybody catches on fire Allie larder when the hospital blows up or like in the first scene when they're in the plane mm-hmm. and, and everybody catches on fire like i can't stand looking at that they want you to see the gore of the per- the person being burned but i can't i can't look at it yeah they want to like really show you their skin burning away yeah like their flesh on fire i can't Ew. it's very disturbing it's Tara that shoots Amber. Tara comes out of the out of nowhere to shoot her. And she goes, I still prefer the Babadook. Ugh, I hated it. I thought it was stupid. <laughs> it was such a it was supposed to be like a mic drop moment, but it was so dumb. I think they fucked that up. Yeah, I agree. I'm sure you've heard the criticism that a lot of people have of Gilmore girls is like when Lorelai's having like a serious fight with someone, she'll be like, well, just like Dick Van Dyke always says, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, you're, when you're angry at someone and you're having, you're having genuine emotions, you know, you're not like, you're not making references and quips. And yeah. Lorelai's just always that sharp. She's just always that on top of it. And that's kind of what this felt like to me that it was just, they had to be like, gotcha. Remember that from the beginning? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. It made it less serious. (laughs) So stupid. It was stupid, but uh, what wasn't stupid was Mindy and Chad are alive, and I thought it was cute how they just give each other the thumbs up. Like that was cute. They're not like, oh my god, are you okay? Like we were just both like, fuck yeah, we're we're great. (laughs) Yeah, but I would. I think that he would be in like worse shape. I don't know how many times she was stabbed. I I felt like she was only stabbed once, which still very very bad, very bad situation (laughs) to be in, and they seem fine. Being stabbed once, no big deal. (laughs) Sydney's like, yeah, and it's Monday. Like, what do you expect? Yep. So I liked when Sam goes over to thank Sydney and Gail. And when she does that, because Sam is sitting with Tara, and she goes, I'll be right back. And I was like, oh, we're at Stu's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. His Stu's ghost just comes out of nowhere. (laughs) Just like Goofy. Oh, <laughs> like oh, I heard. Oh boy! <laughs> like, like oh, you rang. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Stu. <laughs> I'm 
just what he sounds like too how did you know that you spend a lot of time with matt it's uncanny <laughs> um it's funny because he's, it's something i don't know what <laughs> he's so not like that unless he's like teaching a really intense scene he's not he's not that goofy like he can be funny and silly but he's not like literally like a normal person <laughs> Yeah, he's a normal person. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's an he's an artiste. So he's one of those. But um, then this scene was very hokey, but I liked it. Sam goes over to say thank you. And it's very earnest. And Gail's like, I'm not going to write about this. Let these fuckers die in anonymity. And I was like, oh, my God. Yes, yes. Our queen has grown. She gets it. And it, you know what? It's tragic that she finally is like, I'm done writing about this shit and Dewey's not alive for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's finally on that level of like, I'm not going to write about this. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not going to exploit this story. And it's like, he's he's like, God damn it. I've been saying that for 20 years, Gail. <laughs> and she goes, I think I'm going to write a book about a good man who was sheriff here once. Oh. And I'm like barely alive. I'm like yeah. not I'm like I need a respirator. Uh Sydney says, you know, cuz Sam is she genuinely is like, "Are you guys okay? Like are you okay?" <laughs> and Sydney's like, "I'll survive. I always do." And I'm like, "Oh my god." I hope that's true. Really hope that's true. It it is. I hope so, that she's like 80 in, in one of the sequels and she's like, yeah, I'm still around, bitch. In a wheelchair and they like yeah. come after her. And, yeah, and she has like a fucking machete yeah, she's hidden like, in her wheelchair. <laughs> she like pulls it out from behind her back and she's like, waha. Surprise, bitches. <laughs> Sid tells her she'll eventually be okay. And then she sees Billy in the window. And yeah, that's, that's Scream 5. So... Yeah. Overall, I think good movie. Um, but what I think it for me, it feels like it feels like what it is, which is a fan made version of Scream where they're trying really hard to make all the references and they're trying really hard to hit all the key moments and they're trying really hard. And I'm glad they tried really hard because I wouldn't want someone just to make this for money or, you know, just to flippantly make it. So I appreciate what they did. But I feel like Wes is sorely missed. Kevin is sorely missed. I hate what they did with the core three not being together at all. I hate that they didn't wrap up Dewey's story better before he died. I hate that they killed him in the middle of the movie. They could have killed him at the end if they had to. I just wanted more of the original three. I feel like they sold it on them and we didn't get enough of them. And that pissed me off. I think there's a lot of like, eh, moments with acting and script moments that we've pointed out overall but i enjoy the movie and i i will watch it many more times <laughs> so <laughs> what is your overall final thoughts i i did like it i agree with you that it could have been better you can't fuck with the original yep like you know scream 2 for people not for us but scream 2 eh scream 3 eh obviously people didn't like scream 4 either we love them all, but other people didn't. So it's not a surprise that this one is not going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. The first one is the best one. That's always how it's going to be. But I really like nostalgia. That's the word that I, was, that I was thinking of. I like the nostalgia. I don't know. I just really like the throwbacks. I love things with time travel. Time travel is like my favorite thing. It's one of my favorite things to read about. One of my favorite things to watch. So it's almost like that, you know, going back to Stu's house, seeing Billy's face in the mirror and whatever, like that makes it for me. Mm -hmm. So I really did enjoy it. 
and I, I'm really, really excited to watch it again, and I can't wait to buy it when it comes out. Like, I, I want to see it again so badly. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like it doesn't have the magic that I feel like Wes and Kevin bring because I am so obsessed with the other movies. It's like I think of them in such high regard that they're so high up there for me that even something that I like 50% as much is still something I really like. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, but this is your least favorite out of all of them? Yes. Okay. The thing is, like, I can't see ever liking it more than – I mean – it's out of the question. I'm never going to like it more than the first one. The sequels, it's like two and three are are tied up in what you're saying. Nostalgia. Like I will never again be 10 years old or, or 12 or whatever watching those. So nothing is ever as big of a deal as it is when you're 12. Like it's never going to hit me the same. But that's why I loved Scream 4 so much is because I felt like they did it so well that it felt just as like the magic was back. And this, I didn't feel that, but I still really enjoy it because I still really just enjoy this whole fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, it's hard though. And I feel the same way. Like Scream 1 is the best, 2 and 3 are in a tie for second, 4 is third, and 5th logically has to follow as the least favorite. Yeah, I used to think that like when people rank them, I would be like, my ranking is the order they came out. Over the years, though, I feel like two and three are interchangeable. Like I used to think two, I was always like, oh, two is much better than three for sure. And now I feel like two and three go back and forth for me because it depends on what you're looking for. They they give like two different things or a lot of different things, but they, they're different vibes. Like I said in the other podcast, Scream 2 is better for chase scenes. Scream 3 is better in certain ways too. And then I think 4 is like brilliant. Like I love what they did with 4. Like I can't believe they came back 10 years after the after Scream 3 and they were able to do what they did. And I, like I, I think it's brilliant. So sometimes I'm like, oh, I think 4 is better than 2 or something. Like, And, mm. and I, then I'll go like back and switch them again. Because a lot of people feel like Scream 4 is – like a lot of people say scream is the best then scream four. So I don't know. Um, no. It's, it's, it's really hard because I go like I interchange them all like scream is always the first and then I interchange the rest of them. So I feel like now it's going to be like bookends like scream will always be the best out of the five scream five will be my least favorite out of the five. And then two, three and four will just be doing ring around the rosy together be all fluid. the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the thing is scream two has Randy. I know. The Scream 3 has Parker Posey. So how are you supposed to choose? It's very difficult. And I just, I like the college stuff, but I also really like them being in Hollywood. And I love the interactions with the actors and the real people. And all, like, I mean, there's just so many, we could go on forever, but I want to wrap this up because it's almost 2 a.m. What? <laughs> what are your hopes, predictions, thoughts on scream six because let's be honest it's happening it's not confirmed yet but i would bet my life on it are you gonna give me a second to do my stray observations oh uh, i'm so sorry please, <laughs> please go okay tony knew that richie was the killer also because he kept wanting to leave woodsboro she said that that's how she knew for sure that he was one of the killers okay interesting that he was pushing sam to leave but then he tricked her into staying with the inhaler yeah and that's what we were kind of like going back and forth about last night. So this has provoked a lot of conversation. <laughs> also, since when does Stu's house have a basement? That's what I was thinking. Like, what happened to the garage? That's what I said. And Tony was like, is that the same fridge? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It's not the same fridge. No, it can't be. 
maybe because of what happened to Tatum, they got rid of the garage. I, but like, you need a garage. I don't or know. Or maybe they turned it into like a, a room or something. Yeah. Without a garage door. Yeah. Why didn't Sydney and Gail come prepared for this? Why did they not have like bulletproof vests and like stab proof vests like they did in Scream 3? I know. I thought it was cool that she had like the guns in her car and everything. Like she was prepared in that sense, but they obviously should have had bulletproof vests, especially if she's married to Kincaid. Yeah, and at this point, Sydney Prescott, come on. <laughs> one person in the whole world should be prepared for someone to come try to stab her, it should be her. <laughs> she should, she be, should wearing... be wearing like armor at all times. <laughs> she walks in looking like the like stuffed marshmallow man. <laughs> <laughs> from ghostbusters yes could i oh, be no. wearing any more armor <laughs> no that not the stuffed the stay puffed yes <laughs> i knew what you were talking about um i like the part where and i didn't realize it until later i did think about it a little bit but i didn't realize it um when tara's hiding in the hospital in the wheelchair and she's trying to like whatever. I don't know if she's trying to call nine one one because it seems like she's dialing too many numbers. So I don't know who the fuck she's trying to call. But <laughs> Richie came in and scared the hell out of her. So she hit him with the phone, just oh. like Stu. And he says, "Did you just hit me with a phone? <laughs> you hit me with the phone, Dick." <laughs> oh, Stu. Yes, I agree with you. They should have waited till till the end for Dewey to die. I don't understand. Like, even if they didn't make the three of them spend more time together. Why would they kill him in the middle of the freaking movie? I know. I hated it. I hated, hated, hated it. Just to give Gail, like, motivation? Because that I don't feel like that was necessary. No, she was ready. One big thing that I really, really didn't like, I guess they wanted to not complicate, like, no, not overcomplicate things or something, but not one single mention of Roman in the entire movie, which I think is stupid because... When Gail and Sydney are in the car and Gail says, she was like, if I had never written that book about your mother's murder, that none of this would have happened. I started all this. And Sydney says, no, Billy started all this. And I'm like, no, Roman started all of this. What the fuck? It was Roman. Roman put the idea in everybody's heads. Why is no one mentioning Roman? You're in the backseat with Billy and you're like, shouldn't we tell her that this wasn't you <laughs> yeah, like you're just a crazy high school asshole like what about roman he was the mastermind of literally all of this and well, he's not getting any credit and i don't mean that in a good way like <laughs> well but you're right you're right but also i feel like a lot of people don't really consider that they're just like yeah, whatever it wasn't you know? about him it was about billy yeah and also, um, Billy's the one who actually did it. If someone told me to kill, you know, even if you, someone I've known forever who I trusted everything, if you were like, oh, you need to kill this person, I'd be like, no, and I'm calling the police. Yeah. Like, yeah. He... I'm, not, I'm not saying Billy was like, you know, innocent, uncorruptible, whatever, but, but still, just not a single mention of Roman at all. It kind of irritated me. Um, and the last thing was, which kind of leads me to my predictions or whatever my hopes and dreams for scream six um i'm really glad that mindy survived because i believe that she survived because she's not straight whatever she is we've been just saying that she's queer yeah that's what they said in scream four in order to survive these days you basically have to be gay right and so i was like that's why she's still around and we were really excited about that obviously mm -hmm. it would be cool if 
Mindy and Kirby were in a relationship. And then I was like, well, they're probably like 10 years apart at least. Maybe like 13 or 14 years apart. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, I don't know if the twins will come back. I don't know why they would need to come back. Oh, they're coming back. You don't think so? I mean, they they have to now since this is apparently – oh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about actually is – so I was a little bit confused just like trying to clarify for myself and I did read it on the trivia. Not that that means anything because it's user submitted, but because I know that it was one through three and then four was supposed to start the new trilogy, four, five, six – Mm-hmm. But now it seems like it seems like a new trilogy is starting with five because five is the new one. So what the hell is four? Is four like the middle sibling that doesn't exist? It's kind of its own thing. Yeah. So it's one through three, five through hopefully seven, and then just four. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think the world was ready for four. We were ready, but it still exists. You and so me were ready, but no we one were else definitely was. Ready. It was ahead of its time. So I think if if this is actually the beginning of a new trilogy, then yes, the twins will be in it because the survivors from the first one have to be in the second one. I, I really do hope that Kincaid is in it or at least mentioned a little bit more. Or maybe Sydney's kids are in it. Maybe Sydney's kids are like a target or something. I mean, not that I want that, but I did. I really liked the the whole theme of everybody that's being targeted is the kid or like the nephew or related somehow to the original characters i i liked that and i think they could have done more with that it's very house on haunted hill yes exactly i think that they didn't use that as much as they could have so i hope they use that more Mm -hmm. yeah like Um, with Stu's nephew like that should have been a thing yeah they never mentioned people's spouses you know like they they we never met sam and tara's mom who had sex with billy in high school did she get pregnant while while billy was dating sydney already yeah i just felt like a lot of questions were opened up that were not answered and um i really want kirby to come back (laughs) i think she has to especially i mean why would they put that in there if they didn't intend for her to come back i love that there's so many female survivors sydney gail sam tara mindy kirby that's awesome. Like, it's just so much girl power. And I hope that they all come back. But I have an idea for Scream 6. Okay, so what is the spec script that you are sending in? Okay, so I have several ideas, but this is the one that I've been thinking about a lot. I don't like the way that Sydney is sidelined, and I want her to be the main character again. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they're passing the torch. Like, it's going to be about the younger people now, and like, Sydney and Gail will not be in it or they'll be in it just a tiny bit. They'll be like doing a cameo or something. I get that it might eventually have to go there. Like if Scream 6 comes out and it does as well as 5, they're going to have 7. They're gonna, It could go on and on, right? I totally get it. it it's all because it, when Dewey died, I kind of was like, it's almost like they're sending not just him off. They're kind of ending this storyline because Sydney and Gail are so over it. Like they come to the house and they're just like, let's finish this, whatever. They seem done. But what I really want to see, because we've never seen this, is Sydney getting attacked in the opening scene. And I want a long, drawn out scene of Sydney getting attacked in her house, like with Casey, and she's a badass. I want to see her beat them, their motherfucking asses. But what I really want, I don't really want her kids to be involved. I think it would be great if we open on 
Sydney and Mark, mm-hmm. maybe they're on like, you know, maybe like the grandma or something is watching. Obviously not Sydney's mother. <laughs> <laughs> that but... would be very creepy. <laughs> Hello, daughter. <laughs> Don't you know your mother? Um, <laughs> Don't um... you know your mother's voice? <laughs> Turn on the news. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're, you know, they're with someone else and they're having like a date night or something at an Airbnb and they're in like a really nice big house like Casey's. They're on a vacation. It's them two in the house. They get a call. They get attacked by Ghostface. And because it's not Sydney's house, she doesn't have all of her shit. So I'm sure they would have a gun or something. But there's a lot of scenes in this movie where people have guns and somehow they don't (laughs) successfully use them. But I think it has to be like a brutal, like long, I want to chase scene. You know, she doesn't know this house. So she has to kind of run around and try to hide and discover it and find weapons and all that stuff. I want her to be like outside and inside. And I think Mark has to die because Sydney can't die. So I think Mark has to die and she's losing everything again. Yeah. And she fights and she like almost dies, but she makes it just in time. Something happens. And that is what kicks off the movie. And then Gail is all fired up too because it's Sydney and she's like hell to the no. Me and Sydney are in this thing called life together. Okay. <laughs> Can they please both be martial arts experts at this point? Because that's ridiculous. I know. And then because Sam feels like Sydney and Gail saved her life and Tara's life and Dewey saved Tara's life and everything, Sam is like, we will help you this time because you helped us. And they all, you know, that leads to Tara's like, well, I'm not letting you go alone, Sam. If you're going, I'm going. And then Mindy and Chad are like, well, we're not letting you guys do this alone. We're coming. And then they meet up with Kirby somehow. I haven't figured out every detail, (laughs) but that is my idea for an opening. Like I can picture it and everything. Like I literally can see it and I just want it so badly, but who knows what they're thinking of. I just hope it's Kevin writing it. I don't care if it takes place at the zoo. I just want Kevin (laughs) writing it. (laughs) That would be new. I did like that this one was so different though. Obviously it's going to be different because it's a requel. But it's like, not a scream make. I like that it was me and Tony were talking about the specific things that were very different, like the the um the opening scene attack, the person survives. That's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I, I did like how the rules were different now. Mm-hmm. Because this is like a sequel, 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 sequel. Like I would love to know what Randy would have to say about it. Me too. Because he never talked about reboots. Or requels or shriekwolves. Can we find like an old journal? Or something of his, like from college. Mindy's like, I found a diary and I confronted mom. I, I think it would be really fun if they brought back Joel too, the cameraman. They should bring back Joel. Because he was Why so Why did he funny. survive if he, <laughs> if he never came back? All the survivors always come back. He was like the one person that kind of got out unscathed mostly. By the way, next time you're watching Scream 2, pay attention to the scene after Cece dies where Dewey and Gail are on the scene. I Last time I watched it, which was like a few days ago, I was like really taken by that scene. The tension between Dewey and Gail, because like once Cece is murdered, it like really gets real. And you could tell that Gail is wrestling with like, like she's not happy that obviously, like she's not happy that this murder happened, even though, you know, when she first comes in, she's like, oh my God, they would be an they would be crazy to pull this movie. It's going to break box office records. Like she's 
more like fired up that this is going on again. She's not like, oh, how sad that, you know, these yeah. these kids died. It's just a really good scene and it's it's I love it's like lit very interestingly cuz like the um the siren, not sirens, the lights are going off. I don't know. It's just like really dark and then Joel is like, I'm leaving, like whatever and sh- and she goes, "Don't fuck with me." And it's just su- like it's such a high tension, really 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 good scene. And I love that. And I wish uh, I don't Dude know. was alive. Yeah. They yeah. Ju- yeah, they just fucked that up so i like this movie but also fuck you i mean maybe dewey just decided to go into hiding he didn't die we all know it sucks because they're so much older now that you can't just be like oh dewey is definitely dead but she's pregnant with his baby you know (laughs) you can't do that i think it's interesting that she was never like that was never part of the conversation with them like they just didn't have kids yeah because she's a career woman yeah look local woman Okay, so is there any anything else? Any questions, comments, uh, thoughts, uh, words, trees, bugs, nature, air, life? I do like trees a lot. <laughs> um, Woohoo! I'm sure I have a lot more to say that I can't think of. All right, guys, it's two in the morning. Thank you so much for listening to our epic bloated review of <laughs> Scream Five. What'd you call me? <laughs> I didn't say you were bloated, but our review is. I'm always okay. bloated. It's still not as long as the finales of Gilmore Guys, so whatever. <laughs> um, thank you, Gina, so much for joining me once again. And I'll be right back. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for joining us again for our Scream Obsession recorded for all to hear for all of eternity. Gina. Thank you for joining me once again, B-B-F-F-A-E-A-E-A-E. Thank you for introducing me to a whole bunch of movies I didn't want to see at the time, but now I am obsessed with. Oh, that's actually like a really nice way to end it. So there you go, everybody. (laughs) Listen to me when I recommend things. It's true. I will see you very soon. Will it be Jessica? Will it be Ashley? Will it be a completely random topic that you have no idea that I'm even working on yet? We'll have to see. Be safe. Don't get murdered. Be careful and enjoy Scream. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capria Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessicast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessicast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessicast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.